Hop Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160 is the phone number for you to call in to get in on the conversation with us. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Joa. And Jay Noon. And tonight we have a lot of different stuff to talk about from all over the world. I have a bunch of stories that are from about different countries. But I wanted to start off this one that's about free speech and how there isn't any such thing in Russia um, because we're equal opportunity government haters here, and I don't like the government of Russia any more than I like the government of Ukraine or the United States or Israel. They're all bad. They're all bad. And I wanted to talk about this woman who's um, looking at eight years in jail for a protest she did that was an anti-war protest in Russia. It says, Russian artist who staged an anti-war supermarket protest faces eight years in jail. It says, a female artist who staged a protest against Moscow's war in Ukraine by replacing supermarket price tags with trenchant calls to stop the conflict is facing eight years in a penal colony after a court hearing on Wednesday. Do you guys know what penal colony means? Not exactly. Well, from like movies and stuff, it's basically like this place that, you know, is a few acres and it's surrounded by like, you know, a 20-foot razor wire fence and guards and pretty much you're just kind of in like a general population with a bunch of people. Hmm. That's basically what it says here when I went to For s- stickers? So what, what? She put stickers on? Oh, um, well, she changed the price tags to say something. Not sure what they are yet. Um, I mean, at best, it's maybe vandalism. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's says, not. It, see, vandalism would mean that it's not easily removable, right? Yeah, but, because like chalking a sidewalk isn't vandalism. Right. Right. Well, I think this has nothing to do with that. It's just, um, you know, you know, talking bad about the war is illegal there. Yep. Free, there's just not free speech there. She also did do it on like private property, right? So this is like. A store, it's private property, private, you know, establishment. She probably should have chose something that was more government oriented to protest on. Even but, even then, who knows if their laws protect speech on government property either? True, true. It says Alexandra Skochilenko, thirty three, an artist and musician known to her friends as Sasha, carried out the protest on March thirty first, twenty twenty two. Whoa, that was forever ago, but you're just now hearing about it. She's probably just been held this whole time. I don't know. Replacing price tags in a supermarket in St. Petersburg, Russia's second city, with five little pieces of paper urging to an end to what Moscow calls calls a special military operation. This says, yeah, it's November 8th, 2023. I'm making, I was making sure it wasn't like something old that popped up on antiwar.com. Um, so, yeah, maybe she's just been held there this whole time. And I don't know what it means by... Russia's second city, unless it means second largest. Okay, yeah. It says, Alexandra, Alexander Gladyshev, a state prosecutor on Wednesday, asked a judge in St. Petersburg to jail her for eight years and ban her from using the internet for three years. 
according to a statement from St. Petersburg. She wasn't courts. using the internet when she did this. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder why that has anything yeah. to do with it. Because it, the internet is how people communicate, and they obviously, you know, so the prosecutors are like the prosecutors here in the States. You know, just, you know, it's all government's bad, it's like you guys said. And um, so these prosecutors don't care about morality or what's right or wrong or, you know, if there's a victim or if there's an injured party. They just care about getting you know, uh, prosecuting cases because that's how they climb up the corporate ladder. That's how they get more money. And actually, another thing that's happening uh, here is uh, with uh, these prosecutors or why they're so uh, aggressive on their prosecution of just anybody, especially like here in the States, uh, for for whatever possible reason they can, is because uh, there's certain like federal incentives. So like the child enforcement, um, child enforcement, uh, uh, child endangerment uh, statute. Uh, here in New Hampshire, I'm actually trying to figure out sort of how I can present this to say a jury or to somebody, even you know the state legislature. Uh, there, it, there was a newspaper article I read where uh, a woman was uh, charged with child welfare endangerment because she left her three kids in the car while the car was running, hmm. air conditioning on. So it was like a a two year old, uh, a four year old, and a nine year old all left in a car and a two-year-old, four-year-old in a car seats and a nine-year-old just there hanging out. And, um, I mean, uh, when I was nine years old, I was left with my younger brothers all the time. <laughs> I, I was too. I was thinking the same thing. And, I was left with my younger brothers or brother and sister and I'd be nine and we'd be in the parking lot. My parents would be in like Walmart or my mom would be in like Walmart or whatever. And they would just be like, I don't, I'm not taking you guys in. You guys have been bad today. So wait here. And right. it was fine. So, so anyways, uh, in this newspaper article uh, that I had uh, come come across, you know, searching this stuff, they said, uh, and this was Portsmouth, New, New Hampshire, where it happened. They said that the federal government gives basically money to enforce these um, uh, these these types of laws, like the child uh, child welfare endangerment law was somehow given a you know a subsidy from the government. So. Hmm. I know that some of these subsidies that come to was like, for example, one that comes directly out of the Social Security fund and goes into the judicial pension fund at a state level is when family court awards uh, child support. Sixty six percent of that child support, whatever, say that, say the uh, child supports a thousand dollars a week a dad has to pay. And that's, uh, that's not unheard of. There are a thousand a month, but it says a thousand dollars, six hundred and sixty dollars comes then from the social security administration every month or every time this child support is done and goes directly into the judicial pension fund for whichever state the judge is doing that hmm. so this other money that uh is the federal government's giving this is from like the child safety act that was done in like 97 with uh the clintons uh and hillary clinton was you know is, is uh, quoted as being very proud of her child safety act which gives all kinds of money from the social security uh fund to the states via child protection services. Well, this child endangerment, welfare endangerment um, statute, the newspaper article said that it was basically a federal money. So I don't know where the federal money goes. Does it go to the police department? Does it go to the police officer's pension? Does it go to the judicial pension fund? Does it go to the judiciary? Does it go to the general fund of the state? Uh, because all of that is a, an incentive that creates this, you know, um, uh, uh, what is it? Um, uh, conflict of interest, you know, in, 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 in these courts with, you know, these cops and these lawyers. And let's, let's not forget the prosecutor draws from the judicial pension fund. 
the judge draws from the judicial pension fund, you know, when they retire and they want that thing to be valuable. And the way the and same thing with all the social workers, they all draw from like some hmm. state pension fund. And this is why that there's a class at Granite State University that essentially teaches DCYF social workers how to maximize revenue for DCYF. Wow. I can't remember what the class is called off the top of my head, but um child or, safety protection class. Well, <laughs> yeah, how to well, it's basically how to maximize revenue for DCYF by getting all of these federal incentives and doing these assessments and like taking kids. So each time that like they do an assessment where they go in and like interview a child, they get like almost 6,000 or right around $6,000 from a federal government goes into the DCYF fund. Uh, I'm pretty sure some of that goes into their pensions. In -hmm. fact, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and she was talking about how infrastructure is so horrible Hmm. and there's basically no money left over for any infrastructure uh, when the taxes are collected because such a huge portion of your taxes that are collected first go to pay off pensions. Like cop pensions or just like, yep, any so government worker? Government and worker pensions. So the pensions wow. are serviced first. And what we got to understand is a lot of these pension uh, agreements and pension funds, which uh, just because you're a landowner doesn't mean you're responsible for the pension of state employees, but yet yeah. you're paying all these taxes. <clears throat> but these pension funds, a lot of them are guaranteed to like mature at like 3%, 4%. Uh, I forget what city is, but there is a couple of major cities. It might be Manchester and or Concord, but I could be wrong. It was that inf- is that justice for inflation? What no, get- it's, it's just a guaranteed return of eight uh, percent to the pe- to the pension. And if the pension doesn't make the eight percent, for example, or, or or whatever the guaranteed return, let's say eight percent, because there's a couple of cities that use eight percent, which is a huge number, because that's million hundreds of millions of dollars. These pension funds, and what happens is the taxpayers uh, must pony up. The percentage that it doesn't make over eight percent. So if the pension fund only matures two percent, uh, then the taxpayers got to kick in a six percent on top of all of this pension fund they're funding already because they have all these employees working for them. So the idea is these government agencies have to constantly grow. This is one of the uh, elements of this, you know, maximizing revenue because all of these state employees and my aunt, who's in- um, uh, you know worked for the state of Massachusetts for oh. years, Department of Education, told me the same exact thing. These state employees all understand in order for their pension to be worthwhile and for them to collect a pension, they need to basically, for when they retire, they need to have four or five people replacing them So because it's a pyramid scheme, this yeah, pension fund. Yeah. And uh, so so what, what happens is these pun- pensions become so much of the actual tax base, there's no money left over for fixing roads and bridges and infrastructure and, you know, things that, like, most people think that their taxes are paying for. It's kind of like donating to, like, you know, some feed the children in Africa, you know, uh, you, uh, nonprofit that, you know, the um, CEO makes like a, several hundred thousand dollars a year. And, you know, you so you donate $10 to Sally Struthers or whoever. You remember those commercials? And, yeah. You know, and 10 cents gets to the, uh, you know, the, the kid starving to death in Africa or one cent does out of the $10. You know, it's kind of the same things happening with government because most of the money is going towards pension funds that are guaranteed to go up that the taxpayers have to fund. And let's not forget who operates government pension funds. Most likely in the financial world, from what I understand, a bunch of rookies at a college. Yeah. A bunch of people Was don't know what they're doing. A, what, a rookie? Well, yeah, why are they? Why are people at a college running the pension fund? Because that's how they get their first job. Usually, mm. is running a government pension fund. Because just like everyone else in government, it's it's it's, it's they essentially have a government job because they're basically lack confidence, or they're virtually have no skills, or they're useless in the real marketplace. Um, they like for well, the most part. They like welfare. Yeah, 
but it's but it's the same thing with any 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 government employee is usually in that particular industry is the lowest of the low when it comes to like production you know in, in, intelligence and like or well not so much you can be smart and lazy but generally it's, all gov- most government actors are uh there because they're lazy they want an easy paycheck that golden uh parachute retirement fund and whatnot and if you've ever dealt with a government worker, like you have to get something done and you have to go through the government to do it, you will immediately find out oh, that God. they're lazy. They're not um, interested in helping you or getting anything done quickly. Oh, my God. When I lived on yep. a military base. Like the DMV. Yep. They're, so, they're bad. So they the can sa- get worse, though. The same type of people are, are, are essentially, from what I understand, running the government pension funds. And this was just something that was told to me by a good friend of mine who like majored in finance. And right now he's operating an excavator. Uh, as a construction worker, you know, making about $5,000 a week. Uh, you know, he goes and works these union jobs like 80 hours a week, and he makes a ton of, makes a lot of money. But he went to school for financial, and he started, like, working in one of these financial institutions in New York City in, like, 2007 or eight, and it was, like, right before it all fell apart. And he's like, this is a scam. I can't do this. And and uh, so but one of the first gigs that he got was uh, working basically for a pension fund that managed uh, like a New York City pension fund. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, it, it's, and he was the one who told me, it's like, yeah, there's so much money getting dumped into these pension funds or like black holes. And, and a lot of them are just losing. But because the taxpayers are, are essentially, you know, held at gunpoint, because if you don't pay taxes, men with guns show up and mm-hmm. they'll shoot you. I feel like I feel like a lot of times. um when it comes to not uh, just the cops, but like in general, government employees, they tend to retire right when they're being investigated too. So like they yep. don't get, there's no consequences. So mm-hmm. you'll see, you know, oh, investigated for this, oh, former officer. It's always former officer. It's like they had, oh, he had time to retire. So he collects his pension. S- same thing with a lot of these like CEOs and, you know, uh, ex- executives. In like big major uh, corporations like Enron, for example, so many people lost their entire life savings because of the Enron debacle. And pretty much everybody that was involved in stealing all those people's money in Enron, they all got these. They were like, yeah, I quit. And they get like a you know, $10, $10 million severance package. And they've been making like yeah. multiple million dollars per year. And they're like, oh, I resign. You know, I'm no longer part of that. So and they're like, nobody goes after them. Nobody stays after school for, you know, detention. Nobody... You know, nobody goes to jail. Nobody gets a fine against them, and these guys just walk away scot free. And you're going to see this if we like in 2008. This this happened with a whole bunch of the banks. They all got bailed out. Like it was like almost a trillion. It was uh, it was like 800 and something billion dollars. It was a uh, tarp, which was a uh, tar- tarnished asset. Uh, I can't remember what the TARP acronym for, but this was like a a, a a a Bush Obama thing. Bush was going out. Obama was coming in, and. The amount of money that the banks got in bailouts could have literally paid off every single homeowner's mortgage in the country. Wow. And like nobody's mortgage got paid off. Nobody got any help. Just the banks got all of this money injected into them. And uh, and the 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 people, the higher ups in the bank, you know, all these uh, executives got all kinds of bonuses and they just left. Of course they did. Uh, the big short kind of talks about about that a little bit. But yeah, I totally understand. uh what what you're saying though it's just basically these prosecution prosecutors have incentives to go after people way harder than you would even think that they would need to and it always seems like they really are doing like you know performatively performatively bad and evil 
um, things to, in order to get somebody um, convicted of things yep. in the United States, at least. And I'm pretty sure it's make good, just as bad as Make good people examples and make and the bad people is typically them or their friends. <laughs> so they kind of brush that stuff under the rug. And if there is incentives for them to prosecute specific crimes, it would make total it would totally make sense to me like oh we're gonna have more money put into our pension the more of these specific crimes we prosecute or the more or the more children we take and put in foster care the yep. more parents we investigate and now if we do more and more now we can say hey we need to hire more people and when you hire more people it furthermore funds all these pensions the same thing with scheme. the teachers they got less kids in school now in new hampshire but yet they hire more teachers still wow. i kind of want to hire uh you know a company private companies that actually do the job, and <laughs> then we'd be more likely to pay them again. Like, teachers are failing, so the government gives them more money. And gives right? more of them jobs. Uh, but maybe it's the same thing in Russia with this person. It says, the prosecution had previously accused her of committing what it described as a serious crime out of political hatred towards the Russian Federation. And see, like... They kind of have to skirt around that kind of thing in the United States. They have to just be like, well, listen, you're free to believe that. But and then they like try to make libertarians or people who don't um, agree with the United States government look bad in different ways. But in Russia, they can just straight up say, look, she hates the Russian Federation. And that's basically exactly why she needs to be found guilty of this crime, which is pretty crazy. Just look at her. <laughs> and guilty. It's just like, in my opinion, well... Maybe I, I did think maybe they don't want her to go on the internet because she could incite people to be against the war. What is she going to change the prices on Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> it says Skochilenko, who denies the charge, was detained on April 11th, 2022, after a shopper complained about her action. Wow. So she was narked on, too. Wow. She is being tried on the charge of knowingly spreading fake information about the Russian army, an offense punishable in her case by up to 10 years, but which can sometimes lead to a 15-year jail term. Wow. What? So the the prosecution isn't even asking for the full term. But still, she might get the same amount of time Ian got for, you know, the crap that they sent Ian to prison. Yeah, but she just tra- talked trash about the military and they sent her to jail? I do really want to know what was written on the um the price tags but it doesn't surprise me at all like that that's a, against the law in, in russia like literally in the united states we have this i, f- um, I forget the exact case of the uh, united states versus mims or something like that whereas uh i can't say it on the air which is ironic because the supreme court ruled this <laughs> that you f the draft oh, you can't, mm. yeah can't wear a shirt that says f the draft wow. where Huh? Where, where can't you wear it? In court. Oh. Wait, so... Well, actually, spring- I think that came up uh, a second time. So, like, I think he was on campus. The guy was holding a sign that said F the draft on campus. So was it... Did he write E-E-F or the four letters of that curse word? Yeah, the four, okay. four letters of the curse word. So you're saying that the Supreme Court ruled that that was constitutional, that he yes. got in trouble for that? Yeah. So then it's, it's not ironic. I mean, that we can't say it on the air. No, no. They found it constitutional that, that he, he could, could say, they yeah, could say. But I think it's I think it's ironic because like the you know what is the FCC is regulating this airwaves in the sense that we can't say it. That would even though make Supreme it Court ruled that this is a justified thing to say. Yep, and 
I think that's messed up. Like, I, the thing is, I probably wouldn't really cuss on there anyway if I was allowed to, but I just don't because it's going to get us kicked off radio station. Right, right, but that's that's my point. But like, if I just found like if I said the full F the draft, if I said that fully out loud on the air right now, and we got fined, yeah, I would. I would bring the Supreme Court ruling into play saying we're not paying this fine. Well, unfortunately, they wouldn't find us, so you wouldn't be able to right, do right. that at all. They'd right, find right. the radio stations. Yeah, and then it's just us. aggravation for, you know, yep. the syndicate station. Kick us off. That's so, terrible. It says, um, this woman, she's being charged on the charge of knowingly spreading fake information about the Russian army. I already read that. Russia tightened its laws on dissent soon after sending its troops into Ukraine on February 24th last year deepening a crackdown on critics whom Moscow sees as unacceptably divisive at a time when the country is locked in what President Vladimir Putin has cast as an existential struggle with the West. And I lost it. Okay, Amnesty International has declared Skochilenko a prisoner of conscience, someone who has not used or advocated violence or hatred, and is imprisoned solely because of who they are or what they believe. Also known as political prisoner. And it's also just not fair because they're saying that she did this out of hatred towards the Russian Federation, and that is thought crime. You can't decide that someone hates the Russian Federation. I mean, I guess she might have written, written, I hate the Russian Federation, or whatever, on the price tags, but I do want to figure out what she said. It says... The artist smiled from a courtroom cage. Whoa, they put they get left in cages in the courtroom. On Wednesday, as she listened to proceedings, despite the prospect of facing a lengthy stint behind bars. She's probably a lesbian. Like oh. only reason you wouldn't care. <laughs> I could not go to jail and be with like all women all the time. That'd be terrible. Just like the worst kind of women as well. It's not like I hate women, but I don't want to see nothing but terrible women all day. It says, copies of the, like, I, I'm just saying I wouldn't be smiling if they were talking about putting me in there for years. Um, copies of the imitation price tags, which got her into trouble in the first place, remain on display on a website maintained by her supporters lobbying for her to be freed. Um, I might have something to do with them asking for her to be taken off the internet. I don't know how you could do that. 603-283-6160. Call in with your thoughts and opinions. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. 
is the phone number you can call to get in on the conversation with us. Anyone can get on Free Talk Live and talk about whatever they want, except Skeeter from California. 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Joa. And Jay. And I wanted to tell you that this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. And what about paying your bills? Spritz.Finance can do that, and they, are, they can send you dollars to your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol, and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. And thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn more about Dash. That's Dash.org. So moving on here, we have this story from... I don't even think I said it's usnews.com about this Russian artist who put these stickers. Well, I guess they're pieces of paper. We we haven't really heard exactly what they say or what they are into where they have the price tags on things at a grocery store in Russia. And this was back in March of 2022. And she's been held this whole time. And, She's facing eight years now just for the crime of po- disseminating what they call disagreeing, yeah, misinformation in Russia. And I think it's really messed up. I mean, it's obviously free speech. Not that they have any free speech laws there. I, I feel doubt. like just the, their logic of uh, spending money on putting her away, and it's just do they really need to do that? Well. It's just um, such a waste. <laughs> if you want to build your pension, like I said, the prosecutors, they all have a financial incentive. I and guess. also to make an have example people of people, uh, they, you know, a lot of these judges and prosecutors also invest in these, you know, contract companies that supply the prisons with like, you know, the food, the toiletries, you know, remove the trash, do, you know, oh, sure. the companies that provide the energy, the propane, the fuel, you know, whatever, you know, it takes, you know, and, and, and you know, it takes more, it, it costs more to house a prisoner in most, most places than it does to send them to Harvard, send someone to Harvard for a year. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so because it's very lucrative, just, you know, and these same contractors are the same contractors who are also got the exclusive contracts to uh, provide the hospitals with all their goods and, and you know, things that they use in consumables. Uh, but <clears throat> you, uh, disinformation, misinformation, I mean, the Biden administration has been all over this stuff for a long time now. Mm, yeah. they, they had, uh, you know, some lady, there was some wackadoo lady who, like some kind of artist performer, um, libtard type that, uh, you know, was the um, czar of like office of 
misinformation or disinformation. Hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of videos of her like singing and stuff. Uh, you know, she's actually a pretty good singer. But uh, like, and of course, they're like, oh, constantly talk about it. we need to combat misinformation. So and then look at they look what they did to Alex Jones. Yep. Dig out what, a trillion, a, a half a trillion or a three quarter trillion dollar judgment yeah, against right. him yeah, for right. what, you know, they're they're claiming, you know, disinformation. They, they actually got a fifty two million dollar judgment against Eamon Bundy hmm. for uh, because there was a kid that um, St. Luke's Hospital, which is some like children's hospital somewhere, wherever. I think he's in Utah or Nevada. I'm not even sure. But they uh, participated in, you know, doing a. Uh, a medical kidnapping of uh, of a child called Baby Cyrus, hmm. uh, uh, and they to adopt it right out to another family, and they were there's a really uh, a well put together documentary called Save Baby Cyrus is not that old, but um, Eamon Bundy was really big about getting you know his following to uh, and he, sort like, of protested the hospital right. Well, they protested the hospital. I guess the hospital got all kinds of calls and emails and letters and you know how bad you are. So they go to some court and they just get a summary judgment against Eamon yeah, Bundy, ridiculous. just like this this other summary judgment they just got against against Trump, which yeah. is you know seems to be me like another wag the dog situation. Is it another one about something he said that? Uh, it, they said that he misvalued the value of his properties, and they're trying to say like his properties are worth his really low amount, hmm. and they're ruling the judge is like ruling that it's worth it, and the judge has like been public about being a Trump hater. Hmm. That's on the case. I mean, hmm. this is one of these things too. When you're in front of a judge. Like somebody needs to certify first off that this judge is actually like a, um, you know, he is uh, um, impartial. Yeah. So that means he 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 doesn't vote if he's impartial. He's not a registered Republican. He's not a registered Democrat. Um, if he takes a vaccine and wears a mask, he's not impartial. Hmm. <laughs> you know, and if he and, and then they're you know like the the Trump and the the, the judge in a Trump situation there uh, is publicly you know quoted as. Saying, you know, bad, negative things to actually dislikes like, Trump. When I hear things like that, I'm just like, are all lawyers just this incompetent and stupid? Yes, or are absolutely. they like in cahoots? Because you would think yes, his lawyer yeah, no, would... In cahoots. They're evil. Yeah. You would think that his lawyer would be able to get this judge thrown out. Like, look, he's clearly <laughs> not impartial because he is openly said he hates my client. So for, let's get him thrown out. For sure. A lawyer goes in their head like, all right. If I don't do what my client says, will I make more money? Okay, we'll do that. That's what's yeah. in their head. And and, they don't and care. Even this whole culture of everybody's relying on lawyers. Like, I actually just listened to a thing, uh, Rob from uh, um, Vermont, who calls in off and sent me a, a link today to a YouTube video of the New Hampshire House um, Family Law Committee. <laughs> and this guy who's in the Family Law Committee, he introduces how, you know, we've gotten all these reports of these judges. Who, judges control so much just on the fact that they can kick out any evidence they want. Hmm. So what the New Hampshire uh, House of Representatives, is, is some people uh, introduced a bill to, actually they've introduced a bill to um, reword the child endangerment law, hmm. uh, which is going to be interesting because I think that's how we're going to find out. Um, so the child endangerment law, law uh, best I can tell, is worded vaguely yep. because that, I just read a little thing that like under some United States code, this federal you know, child endangerment law. It's basically the state one is worded the same way, and I'm pretty sure that's how they're getting the financial funding. Is by you know, just like for example, states get uh, a a big um, a subsidy from the federal government for having a seatbelt law, mm-hmm. and they also get money from 
departments in Massachusetts to get money from the state and the feds, from what I understand, for enforcing seatbelt laws and writing these seatbelt law tickets. Sure. Um, but also, uh, with the, um, the so the legislature is looking to basically add to the uh, child and welfare endangerment charge that it resulted that some injury happened. Some damage happened. You know, somebody was injured. Hmm. Uh, you know, the baby was injured or something. Yeah. Um, because right now it basically just says you can get charged with child endangerment without the child ever having actually been in danger. Right. So, like, for example, there are Amish people who have had their children taken away for letting the kids, you know, be in the fields with them working alongside the horses. Come wow. on. There are, yes, upstate New York. Um, there is uh, 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 multiple cases where... Uh, for doing like common farm and like rural activities, children have been taken away. Uh, there's 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 a case that I found where uh, a, a guy uh, a grandpa was watching his grandson and riding on the lawnmower, riding lawnmower, just mowing the yard. Somebody reported cops came, they took the baby. Um, th- I believe some southern state this was Georgia, maybe. Uh, but but actually, you could YouTube search that like you know for like doing like work and stuff and like farming things. There's there's um, <clears throat> all kinds of, uh, and, and and there are kids that are taken away because parents don't want to vaccinate them. Well, yeah. uh, that's happened too. Oh, yeah. So like this child endangerment thing, the way it's written is so vague um, that uh, the legislature, you know, at, you know, is actually looking at, you know, and it was Leah Cushman who introduced this particular bill to um, essentially reword this. Hmm. Now, what's going to probably happen is we're going to find out that some whatever this federal incentive is is probably not going to qualify now for this particular oh well uh, uh, change well your you know your parasite type you know legislatures who really want this you know money you know coming into the state because because there are a lot of legislatures both on the right and on the left at a state level that all they care is about the state getting more money because they have this like belief and, and that no the consequence state, in it. right or right. maybe they actually are this is their second job or you know this isn't like they already are getting they're going to get pensions because they're retired from some government job and then sure. they became a oh state for rep, sure yeah so. like all the all, all the school teachers who you know uh you know are, are depending on that pension that are uh you know um you know claiming they don't make them enough money and based based what i can see the salary of a school teacher is like not that great mm-hmm. uh and you know the uh but you know this is why they really you know push hard on like you know building up the base more all the time so you make a a good point there bonnie is that i feel like a lot of these uh, state reps have only run for office to secure their own futures like in the pension process and maybe you know their friends and family and and whatever generational uh you know theft that they're doing with their kids doing the same job they were doing and a lot jazz but I really, yeah, I, I feel like if you were, man, imagine if you if you held a government position, you were never allowed to run for office. That's it. Right. Yeah. Uh, basically, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if you're taking, you know, welfare of any form, you shouldn't be allowed to vote. Um, if you are, are working in, if there's any conflict of interest. Uh, if right. you work for the government, you shouldn't be allowed to vote. Uh, right. If you, if you, um, you know, the, you know, the, there needs to be like the people, government jobs need to be like for the kind of people that are like, oh man, I can't get a job anywhere else, so I guess I'll take this job. But what, what what's become the career choice for a lot of people right out of school 
and the schools are all pushing this is to go right into government. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, go be a teacher, you know, go get your doctorate and you can teach art and get paid a hundred grand a year in Massachusetts because it doesn't matter, you know, um, what you, you know, what your actual skills are and what you're able to produce and, 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 and do it. All, all they care about is how stacked your, um, you know, resume is do basically. You, it's like, do you not like people here work for the DMV? Right, right, right. I feel like the DMV, like, that's always the thing that people give as a example, and they're just absolutely nothing compared to the people I had to deal with that aren't military people, but they work on military bases, and they're government contractors. <laughs> kind of like the dispatchers in most police departments. They're terrible, they're, too. They're like, they're like, oh, I'm, I, I have this position of authority, and I'm going to wield all this power, and the reason that they can't be a cop is because they're 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 too psycho. Yeah. <laughs> there was a guy in Palmer they're, years ago. He their was IQ's a, too high. Yeah, he was a, he was a dispatcher because uh he was just and he was a cop years ago, but like he did some like kind of crazy stuff that sort of got him like removed from being a cop, but um he was a dispatcher and this guy was like they they ended up having to fire him, but he was like out of control. He'd like yell and scream at people. Wow. Um and 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 it got to the point to where he was like so horrible that like the cops like wanted him gone. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to a dispatcher, you have to be very accurate because the cops will be showing up on scene to completely different than what the dispatcher said was happening. So that part of the job, the guy was actually really good at. Oh, okay. But like, okay. like when I go in there and ask him for some documents, like start handing these guys uh, public records requests. And the dispatcher, I mean, he just wanted to pick a fight with me because he was That's just, stupid. you know, because, well, he just didn't like what I was doing, you know? Yeah, um, I, I just want to say that dispatchers uh, sometimes will uh, believe whatever the caller is saying. So it puts police in a bad position when they show up. Like, oh, uh, they say this guy had a gun. Well, oh. they said that, but is it, did it actually happen? You, you could probably uh, relay this story pretty good about uh, Press NH. The dispatcher like yeah, said some false stuff that yeah. like almost could have got him killed. Yeah. yeah. Are you talking about um the one with the when when he was in Hillsborough yeah. and he was going to get his kid and there was some kind of restraining order and the dispatcher is telling the cop that this guy's got a restraining like, order out for him. Active restraining order. It had been t- closed off because of like the judge has decided, okay, it doesn't need to be active anymore. But the it, that's exactly the thing that popped in my head too. Um the order was no longer valid, but the dispatcher told the cop it was, and he was driving around with the lady who um, was the subject of the, well, she had gotten the restraining order yep. against him before, but then they like made up, went to therapy and stuff like that, and it had been turned, or t- like, it had been stopped. It wasn't yeah. in action anymore, but for whatever reason, the dispatcher said that they still have a, I, I don't know how, how they had this wrong information, but they said the wrong information to the cop. And the cop was getting yeah. really argumentative with him, like, you know. Or, like, they, it just happened the other day um, where he was looking in vehicles at, at a, I forget where the government facility was of sorts. Like in Massachusetts. Yeah, and they um, they called into the police and said that he was trying to break into vehicles. That's not what he was doing. He was looking in vehicles. He, they were they're going to claim that he was breaking into vehicles. Now the, the cops going to be rushing there, and they're going to be like, you know, wanting to quickly arrest somebody, you know, go hands on immediately. When you say stuff like that, you know, you got to be careful what you say. Yep. And I mean, it's not like they're ever going to get any kind of um, 
consequences for doing that. So what do they care? Well, moving on, um, we're talking about this story about a Russian artist who in March of 2022 put up some kind of stickers over the price tags, or we don't even know if they're stickers or just pieces of paper, in a grocery store, allegedly. Um, and w- they were saying that they didn't want the war going on that started in February of 2022. So this segment gets into what the price tag says. It says... Um, Copies of the imitation price tags, which got her into trouble in the first place, remain on display on a website maintained by her supporters, lobbying for her to be freed. So, at least her supporters are claiming these are her what they said. Uh, apparently, she denies the whole thing, but one of the... <laughs> That's kind of funny. So, the supporters right. say she did it? Maybe. Well, I mean, you could have these, you know, agent provocateur hmm. supporters. Right. You know, that's not True. hard to do. And especially if it's a website, I'm sure there's like an, you know, an AI program for that by the deep state, you know, to make those happen or an algorithmic thing, you know. But yep. if she if she did do it, I mean, I wouldn't admit it. Yeah, let, exactly. You know. She might have just done it and isn't admitting it. But it says one of the tags accused the Russian army of bombing a theater in the port city of Maripol, where around 400 people were hiding. A charge Moscow said at the time was false. Another alleged that Russia was sending conscripts, so people who were conscripted, so people who were subject of the draft. Forced into service. Yep. Um, Conscripts to fight in Ukraine, something it has denied. A third cited Russian casualty figures and accused state TV of not talking about them, which I would believe too. And a fourth accused Russian President Putin of lying and spoke of pointless deaths. A fifth tag read, my great-grandfather did not take place in the Great Patriotic War, World War II, for four years in order for Russia to become a fascist state and attack Ukraine. The Kremlin has said, Ukraine's leadership, not it, is the one with fascist tendencies. (laughs) It's like both of them. Look at the law you're enforcing. And has said Russia was forced to send troops into Ukraine to protect Russian speakers there and stop the creeping expansion of the NATO military alliance saying this threatened Russia's national security. Which I agree with. Um, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I don't think you're ever forced into killing innocent people. Well, so what, what's what been going on since 2014, Ukraine, uh, which is, you know, since it's been like sort of overtaken by Western, uh, you know, influence, Western money, uh, get a lot of uh, U.S. and European, you know, or a lot of U.S. and you know, um, NATO uh, munitions and bombs. They've been shelling this, what's called the Ludonsk and Donbass region. Right. And, and was shelling. And, and shelling is where they shoot, where they shoot these like surface to surface missiles, essentially. And like, so a shell would, to- if a shell hit this house, it would totally level it. Hmm. Um, oh. You know, it, yeah, it's, it, it's a munition that they basically drop it in a thing like a pipe. It just drops and then it's got a charge um, in, in the backside of it when it hits it goes up in the air and they kind of just point this thing you know at a certain spot and they and they can set and depending on how on the angle you point it and the direction you point it it'll go so far away depending on wind and they can be pretty they can be like sort of accurate but they can be moved around a lot so basically they're just kind of like shooting in the dark hmm. um sort of and and then when they hit they have another like charge cap on the front of them they explode you know, some of these things, you know, like are 30, 40, 50 pounds of, you know, some kind of explosive in them. Hmm. Uh, Silver Dave could explain it a lot better. Silver Dave said that uh, these things would um, all the time, they were like, you know, thousands of dollars per round. 
um, the uh, the device, the like the rocket launcher thing that you know that they drop them in. They call them uh, mortar rounds, mm-hmm. uh, also, but more or mortar shells. So the the, the uh, Ukrainians are just shelling this region of Russia. They're going in there and they're well, harassing people. It's what like it's well, technically Ukraine, right? But these people come. Uh, wanted to, they voted to be part of Russia. Yep. They speak Russian and they consider themselves Russian, yep. and that's for some reason why the government in Kiev has been bombing, shelling them. Right, right. Wow. And so they've been doing this. So, so like Russia, the whole idea that that Russia unprovokedly attacked Ukraine is a hundred percent BS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is just you know it's just media narrative. Uh, you know this, you know that that that's happening, and. Um, so the so yeah so for you know since 2014 uh ukraine's been you know basically bombing these people and finally they're like we want to be part of russia we want to be part of russia and russia kind of like came to their help and then of course the united states uh and all the western nations have just piled right into like launder money like crazy and and they also needed to get a whole bunch of munitions munitions and weapons and arms and tanks and humvees and four by four trucks and you know um stuff to future uh enemies so like the pal you know so so i'm sure the palestinians are getting a bunch of their stuff kind of slipped through this and you know i'm sure i you know other countries have gotten you know these munitions that have you know been sent to um uh ukraine and 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 yeah it's kind of a suspicious uh, sorry suspicious spot geographically because you can easily get things from like europe into the middle east there it is a really like big trading spot you know ports and yeah, just be, I think this uh, generally this area is big because it connects Mediterranean with the Indian Ocean. You know, it's it's a really strategically uh, key spot for all these pipe uh, oil pipelines and everything like that. Just trade. It connects yeah. the world right there, and, and also you have the um, you know. So Zelensky, you know, he's you know referred to as a Nazi by some people, and mm-hmm. he basically yes, he is. Def- definitely supports. The Bazalov, uh, or no, Azalov, Azalov, or something, Azalov Battalion. Who those guys are like openly Nazis. They're like into like you know they're very like homophobic. You know, if like hmm. you better not be gay in Ukraine, you're gonna have some serious issues because you know you, you essentially get put in prison or you know killed for being gay there. From what I understand, wow. you know, there's and then um uh but you know the media don't talk about that because you know the you know the narrative machine. That you know is trying to push to gate you know an, an extremist gay agenda you know and you know the, but you know they're still supporting you know a nation where it's illegal well, uh, essentially to be gay and this, they're acting like it's all about freedom. Yeah, the, this whole join or die uh, is just terrible in in Ukraine. Like, no, no, I'm not going to join your fascist regime. I would rather die. Well, so so uh, well, what's the guy there in Ukraine? Um, uh, Zelensky. Zelensky. Uh, is reported he's begging for loans now because now oh, all the focus is on yeah. you know, Palestine and I Israel. I keep seeing uh, headlines that he's upset that people are war fatigued and the United States needs to continue giving him money in the West. Well, yeah, he must be jelly of Israel. I hope we he burns go. in hell. Right. We should uh, go to the phone. your phone calls and thoughts. Tim in Florida, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, I actually called a follow-up on a topic last night, but... um. I actually just wanted to mention, I I do not have a source for it, and I can't remember where I heard it, but I believe that Zelensky is actually putting together uh, plans for uh, peace settlement, peace talks. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, the money laundering's um, done, so you know that's that's all they that, that's all that's left. And the huge amount of support and interest isn't there anymore because of, uh, Israel is probably and, and and the whole world is is aware of the sham, too. Like like I mean you know. I'm a farmer and I'm aware of this stuff. You know, how come the, all the politicians that are supposedly paying attention to this keep on wanting to give them money? Well, cause they're all crooked. And we, cause they are all crooked and we all know it. And I mean, even before this war, Ukraine was known as like one of the most corrupt governments and countries in the world. And, and the most uh, child trafficking happens in Ukraine. Mel Gibson uh, blows this out of the water. Um, if you internet search Mel Gibson and Ukraine, Child trafficking, it's, it's crazy what he talks hey, about. Hey, Zelensky denies uh, wanting to go into peace, by 603-283-6160. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. is the number you can call to get in on the conversation with us, 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Joa. And Jay. And I'd like to thank Timothy Fanning, who is an amplifier with us. That means that they went to amps.freetalklive.com and became a supporter of ours because AMPS stands for Amplify Market um, Promote and Support. And they're giving us at least $5 a month being a silver-level amplifier and helping promote the show. So thank you so much, Timothy Fanning. And if you would like to learn more, you can go to amps.freetalklive.com to become an amplifier, and you'll get some perks and benefits for for, uh, going through with that. amps.freetalklive.com. We do have Tim still on the phone. Tim, you had more for us. What was on your mind, Tim? Uh, yeah, so yesterday I called about this Auschwitz survivor who had made a comment on the behavior of the state of Israel, and uh, I didn't know his name, and I think someone there tried to look it up. Maybe Nick, Nikki tried to look it up. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is actually changed. Originally, he was born Hans Joachim Gustav Meyer, born uh, August 12, 1924. At some point, he changed his name, and I do not know how to pronounce what he changed his name to because it's spelled H. A J O. If it was a Spanish name, I you know I'd say Hey Ho, Mayor. Yeah. Uh, but so the quote that I actually found the quote, and he actually passed away in 2014. Uh, this was a quote from 2010. He wrote an article in the Huffington Post uh, 
May 25th, 2010, called An Ethical Tradition Betrayed. And he writes, I cannot help but hear echoes of the Nazi mythos of blood and soil and the rhetoric of settler fundamentalism, which claims a sacred right to all the lands of biblical Judea and Samaria. The various forms of collective punishment visited upon the Palestinian people hmm. coerced ghettoization behind a security wall, the bulldozing of homes and destruction of fields, the bombing of schools, mosques, and government buildings, an economic blockade that deprives people of water, food, medicine, education, and the basic necessities for dignified survival, forced me to recall the deprivations and humiliations that I experienced in my youth. And he actually was born in Germany, uh, but then he was sent by his parents to um, the Netherlands, and he wrote a book in Dutch called, I don't, I can't pronounce it in Dutch, I could try, but there's an English translation on Amazon Prime, it's called The End of Judaism. Interesting. Well, that's like really interesting. Um, Maybe it's not about today's conflict exactly, but he was saying back in 2010 that Israel is acting to the people who live in Gaza just like Germany was acting to the Jews back when he was a kid. He certainly was underestimating uh, what, you know, well, he was describing what they were doing at the time, and he, like, was calling for that stuff to stop. But what's happening now is just atrocious. Israel, I mean, I I don't think we can really even uh, express how horrible it is right over there right now. Israel is just completely demolishing Gaza. Like, I'm talking every single standing building is being destroyed. It is disgusting. Yeah, they're going to get rid of 100%. Um, oh, that's yeah. My yeah, that is they absolutely. They will get rid of 100%. That's crazy. And it's just like, how do, do, does 1,000 people dying justify a complete genocide of 100% of people who live in Gaza? That's crazy. Yeah, and, and actually about the 1,400 number, there's an article in the Gray Zone, and I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. Anybody can go there and look, but there's an article in uh, thegrayzone.com um, I don't know if I have it up right now, but it's basically about how after the initial attack, um, you know, people in the concert were armed because there were Israeli settlers there, and we know what some of them do, and they had guns, and you had IDF members there with guns, and of course they responded. You know, they got it. They they went there to kill Hamas. Um, their directive was not to kill anyone, even though they did. They did kill people, but uh, their directive was to capture. But, of course, you know, when you go to kidnap people that are armed, they're going to fight back. And then you're armed, and there's a firefight. And then they sent in, I guess, fighter jets and just started bombing, according to what's called the Hannibal Directive. But look that one up. The, the Hannibal, Hannibal, directive means, Hannibal? Yeah. Yep. Uh, if a hostage is taken, you, you kill the, the, the captor and the hostage. Do you eat you them, too? The hostage live. <laughs> I, I, that no. Just but, um, okay. <laughs> so I think a good number. This is my opinion. I, I can't prove it, but based on testimony from people that were there, uh, testimony from people in the IDF, which is in that article on the Gray Zone, uh, that, that a lot of these Israeli houses uh, were actually they they were bombed by Israeli forces hmm. in order to kill the Hamas militants, but. That was the prime objective. They, uh, so there was a lot of collateral damage because they were bombing, you know, essentially this Shabbat in Israel where that had been because there that, was a That's if it's an accident. But it's not an accident. You can't call it collateral damage if it's if it's done on purpose. I, I guess you know it's know true. I mean? yep. But that's what they'll call it, you know. 
Uh, that's really interesting you brought that up. So right here at the top of freedomsphoenix.com, the headline is, they knew, participated, photographers working for AP, CNN, New York Times, routers were embedded. Uh, photographers were working for the APA, CNN, New York Times, and routers were embedded with Hamas on October 7th and accompanied the terrorist group into Israel. They knew the attack was coming and participated in accordance with an exclusive report at Honest Reporting. And this is a news article from um, the Geller Report, but it's right at freedomsphoenix.com. It's like in a top couple. And uh, that makes sense because even like when they were trying to say that Assad in Syria was gassing his own people, they had like news crews and crisis actors all set up there. And there was like, you know, pictures and some videos of like these, all these bodies on the ground. And then you see uh, there was a feed that somebody had of this where it was like, all right, everybody you can get back up now. And we're going to, you know, people just started getting up. Jay, have you seen the pictures, though? They're like Pulitzer Prize award winning photos. Probably green screens involved and studios. And, I'm being you know, sarcastic. It really was in Syria, and that was so crazy. And so that's I a think similar some thing. Of the pictures, well, I think some of the pictures that they're taking now in Israel, like where people are suddenly cowering down um, in, in the city, so, and it's supposedly coverage, like, oh, there's a, there's a Hamas rocket that just went off nearby, and then they have a photograph of them. Tower. How did they catch that so quickly? And there's a bunch of examples like that I can't For remember. Real. And these are just the ones that I noticed t- today because I I got a router's account and I I got onto AP News and I'm I'm getting into this. You know, it's quite the propaganda machine going on out there. You know, they got to make sure that the images are just right. You know that they're you know you know combing these pictures with, with fine comb, whatever. Um, I'm not saying they didn't kill any. I'm not saying that because I know, you know, I don't know because I wasn't there, right? But I'm not, I'm not saying that the initial attack wasn't real. I, I believe it was real. Well, you could say Israel. Either way, it's definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you for the call, Tim. It's definitely important to always question things if you weren't there to witness it. And I feel the same way about the Russian conflict. And the Israeli one, you shouldn't just assume that because they said it on the news, it's true. But moving on, we have another caller. We have Rob from Vermont. Rob, what's on your mind? Yeah, so uh, I wanted to share a story about uh, when I went into the system. This was like over 20 years ago. You know, after being in there for about a year, the state created a law where, you know, if you have children that are out there, that uh, child support would be building up while you're behind the, you know, the prison walls. And, and you know, if you wanted to, uh, you know, you could petition the courts and then get that to stop, which is, you know, what I did took me a couple of, of years but I couldn't get out of not paying what had occurred. So by the time I got out, uh, I was, you know, in the hole eight, nine thousand dollars after I maxed out of the prison. And when I got out, you know, I the only thing I knew what to do was to go back to work and get a place to live and find a job, which is what I did. And I you know, paid my child support, and then I also paid an extra $15 a week so I could get caught up with the, you know, back child support. Well, fast forward 
four years after all of this, I learned that the child support money that I was paying in was not going to nope. my children. Nope, nope, nope. And uh, I didn't know this. And boy, if I got behind on child support or if I missed a payment, uh, I mean, they were right there on you. Where was the money so, going? Did you ever figure that out? It was. They said that it was going into an account that does not uh, draw any interest. Is what I was told. Um, and but, when I, but who was able to access that money? That I well, I don't know. That's the that's the thing because well, you know when I learned about that the money was not going to where it was supposed to have been going, I contacted the. You know, the, the uh, child support office, and they said, oh, I don't know, we don't know nothing about it. Just keep paying. Well, yeah, this is not know. unheard of. This this is not unusual. I've heard this happen to a lot of people. And, and so what I did was I contacted the attorney general's office, and I told them, you know, I says, I want some answers. Okay, I want to know where that money's going. I says, if not. Come the next day, I'm going right to the press. And before the end of the day, somebody had contacted me, and they you know, learned that the money wasn't going out. And I said, I want a complete audit of what I've paid in. You know, and I got the audit, but I says, well, uh, how much interest did this occur on all this money? And they said, well, it was in an account that uh, didn't, doesn't have interest paid into it. It just didn't make any sense to me. That's weird, but, but also I'm just confused about like, so once you got the audit, it didn't explain to you like who the money was going to. It's just sitting in an account, untouchable. No one gets to use it, or was it going to the pension of the DCYF people? It wasn't going to the kids it was supposed to go to. So it wasn't go. Your, your ex wasn't getting it. Like you know, yeah. generally that's what I think would happen. You know, whoever has custody of the kids is you know getting this payment. Right. Exactly, and and I was not on talking terms with my ex-wife at that time after I had got out of the system. But when I had learned that uh, she wasn't getting the money, I mean, I was just beside myself. I went homeless trying to straighten this out because I told him, I said, no, underneath no certain terms was I going to go back to work until you straighten this out. Hmm. You know, and like I said, I ended up in the shelter because, you know, because I just wasn't going to give him any more money. Yeah, there's there's a lot of men out there, and I've I've known several of them who, um, uh, one guy I know in particular, you know, the the wife had the ex wife had four kids. Uh, the first uh, and only one of the four kids was his, uh, the second kid, and she was kind of politically connected. Uh, it. And she and this guy was working managing a gas station on a salary. This was like 1998. He's paying child support on four kids, so they took the max, which was like 28 percent of his check. And so he's working like 60 hours a week at a, managing a gas station, and he's you know literally bringing home like 130 bucks a week after taxes and child support. Whoa. It's like 130 bucks a week. And the reason I know this is my you know a. Uh, um, uh, it was uh, uh, a relative of mine had given this guy basically a room in his house 
uh, sort of free of charge. I mean, the guy just basically the guy didn't the guys had to do a little maintenance around there, but but he couldn't afford anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, he literally had like a hundred and twenty bucks a week to his name. Um, you know, and, and he worked like sixty hours a week. It, it was basically like didn't even slavery. Yeah, he and he would actually like. I remember he would like you know come work for like my dad like you know whatever hours he had for for cash. Uh, like the guy literally had enough money to like pay his car, you like pay for the gas and maybe his car insurance. And that was it, you know, you know, from his job because his ex-wife was getting, you know, um, a a massive amount of the, uh, so he was paying um, for not only his kid, but the other kids too. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to add, Rob? Um, yeah, I would just like to know, uh, how do I get, uh, Joe, I would like you to follow me on telegram. Okay. So I can reach out to talk to you. Is that okay? Yeah. How can I find I can, you? I can get you guys in uh, touch off the air just because I have Rob on Telegram, actually. So thank you for the call, Yeah. Rob. All um, right, Rob. Take care. Yeah. I've, there's so much crazy stuff that goes on with family courts. They're not even as um, good as cr- regular criminal courts. Well, they're not courts of law. They're yeah. not courts of record. What they are is they are for-profit institutions, mm-hmm. quite literally. Um, and, uh, this, uh, family law committee, uh, maybe we could, uh, put a, a, a link to that in the show notes. It's kind of boring, but at about 36 minutes, um, <clears throat> the, uh, they start talking about how these judges are just denying evidence left and right. Mm-hmm. And this guy, uh, you know, who's a state legislature, who's, I don't even, I forget his name. In I, New Hampshire? In New Hampshire. Yep. This was like from a few days ago, November 9th, mm-hmm. um, this committee happened and the state legislature, uh, this guy who's, who's on, who's a chair of this committee, he's reading off this report on how there's like all these judges have been, you know, reported by, you know, people for denying evidence. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and a lot of the evidence is like very extreme and they sort of get into, uh, like it, it totally like, it's very clear that like the other part, you know, the, the judge, the court should rule the other way. And one of the things they talked about, they didn't really talk exactly about what I'm going to say, but they were talking about how generally the court rules in favor of for child support of who is not the breadwinner hmm. and because the they want whoever makes the money to pay the child support because they can pay the child support and like most of the time that is, that is the man and they didn't say in this committee but i'm actually going to email this com- committee chair and be like hey are you aware that <clears throat> child support awards a percentage of them goes into the judicial pension fund please look into this this needs to be part of your investigation in fact, I wrote that down on a note card today. So when I get home tonight, hopefully I'll actually email the guy that. And anyways, they uh, it, so there's just they want to so they want to introduce legislation to make it so that these family court judges and they shouldn't even be called judges because they're not really judges, uh, but these family court you know actors uh, that are you know on these benches that rubber stamp everything basically that uh, that is brought forward to them by the state. Uh, are, who collect from the judicial pension fund uh, are denying evidence, uh, and they and that is basically it how is a judge outcome. Yep, absolutely, I mean, you, you know, I don't know how much evidence got thrown out of Ian's case, uh, for example, or the jury wasn't allowed to look at it, or they wouldn't take into consideration. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what they're trying to do is make a uh, make it a uh, law or, or statute and operating procedure basically for these family courts, which is kind of controlled by the le- legislature, but you're going to find it's really controlled by a bunch of lawyers, not the actual legislature, uh, because it's just a money laundering scheme, like, mm-hmm. like all of it for these pensions, uh, to keep them afloat. But the, uh, uh, so if, if, so in family court, like 
more than about half of the court cases, both sides uh, do not have lawyers. So it's usually a husband and a wife getting divorced or child support, you know, custody kind of things. And most of the time, neither side has a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so what they want to do is if if someone is in court without a lawyer, they are what they call pro se or sui juris is what I like to say. Uh, They are uh, and they object to evidence not being entered or evidence being entered. And the judge either approves the objection or denies the objection or allows the evidence. No matter what, the judge needs to make a note of why they either rejected or didn't allow the evidence or why they allowed the evidence. So there was some counter in this committee, someone who is, you know, in favor of the judges basically running over people, what I can tell who I forget her name, but she says, well... You know, the circuit courts are understaffed and, you know, the family courts are understaffed. Oh, yeah, that's a good and, reason to railroad and, people. Yeah, right. And, uh, or just, so, like, not have the truth be right. the most important thing in the court of law. So or it's not a court of well, law. Well, that yeah. sounds expensive for for our pockets. Sounds like more work. So, so Well, it is going to be more work. And, and so she says, and sometimes you can have, like, a 20-minute hearing. And there's 30 some odd pieces of evidence that are introduced into the hearing. And, uh, and you know, so the committee guy's like, and? So you're saying somebody's rights should be denied? Well, we can't have fair and honest court systems. Yeah, we so, can't have court going on longer than the judge wants the, it to go on. The, the, the New Hampshire legislature is getting actually uh, uh, kind of bombarded with affidavits from regular people who are very, very upset hmm. with the way that family court's operating, the way DCYF is operating. You know, they're wasting money, con- constantly wasting money. They are, um, you know, they cost a ton of money. Uh, DCYF has paid out hundreds of millions of dollars in settlements in the past decade. More like um, one state representative told me he's doing some investigation into this on his own. He told me the number is more like $300 million in the past decade. And it doesn't come from DCYF. It comes and, from the know, taxpayers. Right. A lot of people that work for DCYF don't even have kids themselves. And there's a reason for that. Right. right. And, you know, the the, the state legislator, you, people can't defend themselves in their kids, right? Because they can't get down there. They well, have kids. So so like, you know, um for example, J.R. Hole, who's uh wasn't even didn't even want to be a state representative again, but they sort of forced him to be a state representative again because he was you know, kind of trying to retire from that. He wants to pay attention to his family. Um they uh came after him over him giving his kids ivermectin like a two years ago. And uh that case uh cost him over uh, fifty thousand dollars in, in legal fees mm-hmm. with with the two different. So he had to hire a lawyer for his kid, mm-hmm. and he had to hire a lawyer for himself. Wow! And uh, and 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 it, and, it, and it was just constant, like just back and forth, paperwork, paperwork, fifty G's, and, and, and um, it, it it cost him. Like, and 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 his like tax returns for that year were like he was telling me were, were like you know. 60% of that 50,000, you know, he didn't make a lot of money. Um, and, uh, but, uh, but that's crazy, you know, and, and a lot of people just can't afford an attorney and the, these guys, uh, know it and they just run them right over. Well, I'm going to go to the phones and you guys' thoughts, Chuck in Washington, you're on free talk live. What's on your mind? Well, for, <clears throat> forgive me for not being on the, uh, topic of, no, uh, family, uh, stuff, but you know, it occurred to me a couple days ago that, this show is really, really awesome when you guys take calls, and all shows do that. You know, uh, some shows don't do that, but I just enjoy the experience of having the opportunity and listening to calls uh, from um, all 
over the place. Oh, yeah. Um, we can uh, keep you on if you have more to say, Chuck. But um, we always try to take calls. It's just a lot of times people don't call in. So 603-283-6160 if you want to call in. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 603-283-6160. That's what makes the show, right? Right. It's free talk live. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church. .shiresociety.com It's Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283- 6160 is the phone number for you to call. 603-283-6160. You can bring it bring up whatever is on your mind. It doesn't matter if it's on topic. Um 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie, Joa, and Jay. And we were talking about lots of different subjects tonight. We're talking about the conflict in Israel and the conflict in Ukraine, and we were talking about DCYF here in New Hampshire which is Child Protective protective Services for New Hampshire, you know, um, another pyramid scheme, basically. But moving on, we have a story here from Coindesk.com that um, I've had for a while now, but I wanted to get into it, that says the U.S. Treasury seeks to name crypto mixers as money laundering concern. So it says, under pressure to address reports that Hamas and other terrorist groups are partially funded with crypto, Treasury's FinCEN proposed a rule to categorize mixers as a threat. So do you guys know what crypto mixers are? I do. Is that where you take crypto and you run it through this mixer and mm-hmm. it gives you back the crypto, the same amount, except you've rehashed it, like the code or like the reference is yep, different. So it, it's, it makes it not traceable. So let, let's say that we each have, um, you know, uh, $21 bills. And yep. we take them all, and we throw them in the middle of the table and mix them all up, and then we each take $21 bills back. Right. That's what it's doing. Yep. Yep. Um, so I think that this is pretty bad that FinCEN and the Treasury want to do this, or the U.S. Treasury's FinCEN, I guess they belong to them, um, want to do this. They're proposing this rule because it's just stupid. Anytime someone wants privacy, it doesn't mean that they are a terrorist. Well, they're freaking out because the... Um, the velocity of money has really dropped. So what's happening is people are borrowing money 
you know, outside the fiat Federal Reserve system. And one of the ways to borrow money is uh, crypto. So there's all of these like platforms where you can put your crypto like a uh, pancake swap is one of them. I had a friend used to talk about that. But, you know, so with 8% interest rates, essentially, or the interest rates going up, uh, the uh, the people who have crypto to put into these <clears throat> swapping type platforms, they can do it anonymously. You can do it li- li- like turn your Bitcoin, for example, into like something else like Monero or, you know, some other privacy coin, put it on these exchanges and then you get paid a, a pretty like hefty uh, APY uh, annual percentage uh, rate or whatever. However, something yeah, and and it's and a lot of people are able to do that. In fact, I know of several people who have um, put up their cryptocurrency to like uh, buy houses, mm-hmm. and then they pay it off and they get their crypto back, you know, and, and cars and, you know, all kinds of other things instead of going through like a, a bank. regular bank. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is the, the, uh, the velocity of money, the way I understand it, I'm no financial expert, but what I understand is that's the money sort of injected into the economy and some of the money, the money created and where that mostly comes from is loans. So when you get a loan, say for uh, a half a million dollars for a house, uh, Basically, you know, at one time it was like, you know, they had to have uh, something like, you know, 10% of that money on deposit or mm-hmm. 20% of that money. Nope. And then they would, cre- now basically don't, the banks don't, don't need to have any of this money on deposit. They can just create the money out of thin air. Well, with the interest rates being high, because, uh, you know, essentially the U.S. Treasury has to make the interest, you know, they got to put the interest rates up so other countries will buy these treasury bonds Mm -hmm. and nobody wants the treasury bonds really. I mean, anybody's paying attention understands that the American empire is so ready to collapse. And also they don't even give you that much when you go to cash in your treasury bonds compared to some Who wants to give the federal government, you know, their money for, you know, 20, 30, 10 years. Sign me up. When when they can give um, a, you know, some kind of um, exchange on the internet uh, money for six months, four years, five years, a year, uh, and and it's risky. I I actually have a friend who three years ago he was like, oh dude, you gotta take this crypto, take your cryptocurrency, and you know you got you got this money in crypto, and you should put it in this thing. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing it. I, I don't want to have to pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of like I'm just lazy when it comes to that kind of stuff. I'm I, you know, I I got better things to do than like fool around with you know. Trading and stuff crypt- like that. Tra- yeah, I'm not right. into any of that. Um, and uh, so, like, I don't know. A year later, I'm like, hey, that, that thing you, that pancake swap thing you were telling me about something called, I think that's what it was called. He's like, huh? Like, where are you at with that? You know, because he's like, oh, I'm putting like $5,000 in or something like that. You know, I can't remember the number he says. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, um, I, I, uh, I missed pulling it out when it was at its highest. And like, he's, and, and, but, when he, he pulled it out on the way back down and he made like a couple hundred bucks, he didn't lose it. But he says if I'd held it for a few more days, but this is a guy like, you know, every hour he's like looking at his phone at like what these yeah. things are doing and he's all talking about it. And it's just, just, just takes a lot of attention. Like you right. gotta pay attention to it. And, and he did lose some crypto in some of these, you know, financial schemes. And I know other people who have lost a lot and, and I know some people who have made some like, like wicked money um in these things so but but what i can tell 
it, with a with a veloc- money velocity slowing down, it's it's because what creates money into existence is people getting loans, mm-hmm. and that has really slowed down. Wow. And and what's been happening for the last few years because of the artificially low interest rates, and I still think eight percent is an artificially low interest rate. I mean, an interest rate should be a real interest rate would be there's no no entity out there like the Federal Reserve or any of these central banks that create money out of thin air that can just come up with the money go because of they push a button on a keyboard. That's all they literally do. Well, somebody has to sign a document for some man or woman uh, in a form of a loan application. They, they create this money out of thin air. And then essentially that increases the credit limit of the bank. So I tell people all the time that are using legacy financial systems, every time you write a check, every time you deposit a check, every time you swipe a card, every time you apply for a loan, Every time you make some kind of financial check transaction that has a digital part to it, whether you deposit cash or withdraw cash, it's you're being es- traced. You're essentially create. Uh, uh, um, you're essentially increasing the credit line of the United States Corporation, hmm. and the United States Corporation spends most of their money on killing people on the other side of the world. And that's you know, why uh, in war. you use dollars. You're using blood money, and if you use cryptocurrency, you're promoting peace or cryptocurrency Whoa. barter, um, silver barter bags. Uh, trading in, you know, gold backs, uh, you know, just like, just, but anything that's like regulated by the government and you need to have, you know, know your customer, uh, that's all blood money. That's all, you know, going to further enslave and make the world worse. I mean, I, I hate to break it to y'all, but Bitcoin has become, you know, government blood money. Probably. I mean, they own more of it than anybody else. I don't only talk about Bitcoin when I talk about cryptocurrency, for one thing. And for another thing, it's not like it's as bad as using the U.S. dollar. Well, what's nice about crypto... I would say it's just as bad, but... It's not just as bad because you're 100% of the time funding wars and everything with the U.S. dollar. Well, here's the thing. You can't can't create any more coins than a network allows. And then in, what, 20 years or something, there will be no more Bitcoins being, being minted or it'll be like take forever to mint the last couple of Bitcoin to mine the last few Bitcoins. Uh, so it's, you know, that, that programming, that network. And if that changes within the Bitcoin protocol, um, it would be aware to the people, you know, paying attention to the, you know, the nodes and the blockchain. I don't know how to do that. But uh, so that's kind of like, and the fact that is, you know, I, I guess if the, you know, the, I just like, I'll make a point is like, if you're using cash, dollar bill is in hand and that that's not traceable i mean it was traced at one point but now that it's in your hands it's not traceable whereas uh you know crypto a lot of crypto it's traceable so it's like you know i i just look at there's still a value over dollar cash the uh in the sense that crypto is still traceable do you get my point? Yeah, but yep. it's just like you can do things like use these mixers and use Monero. And, it doesn't have to be traceable. And even if it is, that doesn't that's not an immoral thing like using the I'm dollars. not saying it is. I'm just saying I guess, yeah. No, I guess what I was getting at is because the other thing is not government everything has a, a lot into it. Not everything you're doing can you use cash to do. Like, oh, sometimes you need to send money to someone across the other side of the globe. True, true. So so if I know people that are getting loans and, and having success for it. And there's like very little red tape. There's, there's no like very little, know your customer, um, through these crypto things and they're utilizing it and they're happy with the service and they're, and, and, and they like the idea that they're giving interest 
to somebody on the other end who actually holds crypto like an individual or or many individuals depending on you know where this comes from and not to the evil banks who literally sponsor and create all the wars because all wars are bankers wars the purpose and what of the u.s military and what they've been doing my entire life is enforcing the use of you know the u.s dollar as a world currency you know the petrodollar it's the only reason that we're bombing all these countries constantly and all the time is so they um you know it's backing the purchasing yep. power and so so now the i can see why the, the treasury is uh is freaking out and all these guys are freaking out because the fact that people just aren't borrowing money people aren't um you know getting loans and and and, and the thing is it's like you know so all these cars are like way overpriced um you know for example i mean the the pickup truck that i drive which is you know 30 years old almost oh. is like 120 grand or 110 grand if you went and bought it right now the same exact yeah, truck that doesn't make any is sense is it because people want to get older cars because they don't have no, a no 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 i'm just saying if you went and bought a 2024 oh. f350 diesel loaded all the options crew cab four wheel drive I mean, pickup I, truck it's I, like $114,000. I expect it to be more money than an older vehicle. Makes sense. But like it, that much? Like it just it's blows it up a portion. So, like how much was your truck when it first came out? Maybe fifteen, twenty thousand. It was like $21,000. Okay, yeah. Yep. Like that's crazy that it's going on up a lot. five yep. times the amount. And and it's well crazy. well and it actually makes perfect sense. You know, with all the money that's being produced. Uh, with all the um, you know inflation now, if we took the if we took the truck, the value of a brand new truck, say for the past you know fifty years, and we compared it to like silver and gold, I mean that would be an interesting thing. I have you know it'd take me a few minutes to like calculate sure. all those numbers, but um, you know they're they're kind of like you know right there, um, and sort of it. You could probably for the nineteen ninety seven, uh, it probably take you you could probably buy that truck. Uh, the same truck today with the same amount of same gold amount it would gold, take you yeah. to come up with it, you mm-hmm. know. So I don't know how much twenty thousand dollars of gold was in nineteen ninety seven, uh, you know, versus you know I, I'm doing the math on that. But, um, anyways, and, and just things are getting expensive. You know, you, you say all you got to do is just make food and energy ten percent more, and that's a whole lot less money that people have to uh, to do things. So we had all this four dollar gas. Six dollar heat and oil last winter in New Hampshire. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, you know, firewood three, four, five hundred dollars a cord for firewood. Uh, and, but it takes a lot of work to make firewood, and you know, and the season it. And, well, the, you know, the fuel was up. That's why uh, you know lumber costs and everything were up last year because of that. I remember. Well, lumber costs were uh, skyrocketed. <laughs> so in twenty nineteen, lumber costs was way down. And magically, a whole bunch of lumber built mills in like 2019 and early 2020, all their stock of lumber that was milled got burnt. Whoa. So like yeah. hundreds of millions of board foot got burnt like within a like a six week period or basically 2019. I never heard of that one. Yeah. I heard of all the like food companies yeah. Oh, yeah. getting so burned. There is a um, there was a documentary I had watched in 2019 and it was just released and uh, somehow we were... Looking at YouTube, it was before we had uh, had the kids. We had just moved to Henniker, and um, we were watching some YouTube stuff about Henniker, and we found this thing about um, uh, firewood, uh, firewood, a, a lot lumber mill burnt in Henniker. 
Mm-hmm. And there was 19 lumber mills that burnt basically in the United States and Canada. And when I say lumber mills, these things have big billions of board feet of lumber. Like, you know, just as far as you can see, acres and acres of lumber stacked up 20 foot tall, you know, all over the place. And they had nowhere to go with it. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, because, uh, you know, lumber is a, a heck of a renewable resource. You, you know, I've been growing up in the forest of New England, you know, pretty much my entire life. And I watch lots of clear cut logging. And years later, bam, forest come right back. I've watched selective cut logging and, you know, forest comes right back. And so there's all this stuff everywhere. So what happened is the lumber price crashed hard. It was like um, down to like $300 per like thousand board foot. And like a semi truck is like five to 6,000 board foot of lumber, depending on whether it's pine or oak or whatever. Um, and uh, and then it, it went way up to like $14, you know. Because with, of all the fires? Well, with 2020, so you had the scamdemic and everybody started working for home. So like all these guys are building decks and they're remodeling their house and there's a whole bunch of incentive money came. <laughs> so a whole bunch of people just like, bam, you know, I'm going to do all these house things. Less like people like the Home de- Depot, like money went up, the Lowe's money. All those guys are really down in the dumps right now. They're uh, way down on revenues, Home Depot, Lowe's. Uh, the lumber prices have come way down. My local lumber yard, the prices are half of what they were, you know, in, in the summer of 2020, uh, because a lot of things are backing up because they've really sucked a lot out of the economy with, um, I remember you know, prices Biden going up though. Huh? Prices on lumber went up. They went up and, they, and they've come back really? down. Yep. Okay. They've come way back down. Uh, in 2019, I was buying two by sixes for $4 and 10 cents a piece, eight foot two by sixes. Cause I needed a couple hundred of them for my house. I'm from a local lumber yard, and then they were at like nine seventy five in like twenty early twenty twenty one. I had to buy a few more. Then I don't know four or five days ago, I had to buy a couple of these two by sixes, and they were at like uh, five dollars and ten cents. Wow, so they're not quite what they were in twenty nineteen, but they've come way down. Wow, and I just think it's crazy because a lot of people just still don't want to work. Like my sister got three jobs in less than a month when she first got here. Yep. Taking- well, not all at once, but she got a job, and then she's like, mm, well, I got offered this one, so bye. And then she got a third job. It's just so easy to get a job right now. Yeah, if you have any ambition and you're not a drug addict, um, even if you are a drug addict and you have ambition, yeah, you can function. be the speed function. kind of drug addict, and maybe you can get a job. But no, you just all you need is just to show up, have a pulse. Um, you know, if you just look at a lot of the people working in convenience stores, <laughs> you know, and um, some of the places I go into, I'm like, I'm just surprised that they'd even hire some of these guys, but they're just so desperate for help. Yep. Well, swiveling back, pivoting back to this story about um, the U.S. Treasury seeking to name crypto mixers as a money laundering concern. I want to know exactly what that means. Like, is it just a thing they're going to say or does it do anything to maybe criminalize these owners of these mixers, which has already been happening? Like people have gone to jail like yeah, the U.S. Treasury should look it. into money laundering going on with uh, is with uh, Ukraine oh, and now that. Israel and you know the um, uh, the DEA because you know they're pushing all the drugs into the country and into the cities and, and, all, and all the banks that are laundering for the for the uh, Mexican cartels and the Chinese cartels and the New Hampshire drug cartel. That's just making <laughs> you know. that's just making the government get more money. They want to stop anything that could make you be independent of them, like that's cryptocurrency. Right. It's it's all about power, not so much about the wealth. It's I think it's just about power. They I think want that's they, the main thing. I always think the same thing. They keep money from, you know, the people that are fighting for freedom or people the average person is the one fighting for freedom. It's going to prevent what's prevent him or them 
from expanding taxes know. regulations yes. and it's also like down, the yeah. average person doesn't have that much like ambition like they just want to get by they want to make enough money to do their little things that they like, like go to starbucks go to you know they they think they're rich because they shop at whole foods and um, yes <laughs> yeah but they don't care about who gets hurt when they're using their blood money or anything like that and the you know I know what you mean. The United States government doesn't care that you are like upper middle class. They're not. I, I'm always saying the same thing. That is more about power. But money does give you power. So if you're like really ambitious and you want to make a lot of money, you create this cryptocurrency mixer online. They're going to go after you. Yeah. Um, it says the U.S. Department of Treasury's financial crimes arm, so FinCEN, is proposing to label crypto mixers as a primary money laundering concern. In its effort to combat illicit crypto finance, highlighting the terrorist groups that have benefited from anonymous crypto funds, including possibly Hamas. The Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN, issued a notice of proposed rulemaking on Thursday, which they're not elected or anything like that. And they're making rules and you could still get in trouble in court for breaking these rules. And that's ridiculous. It says on Thursday, which will be open to public comment for 90 days. Not that they actually care what you say. Quote, today's action underscores Treasury's commitment to combating the exploitation of convertible virtual currency mixing by a broad range of illicit actors, including state-affiliated cyber actors, cyber criminals, and terrorist groups, unquote, said Deputy Secretary of the Treasury Wally Ademo. That's interesting. Ademo. That's the last name. In a statement that cited... The agency's past actions against Tornado Cash and Blender.io. Those are ones I was thinking of. Those are some mixers that people actually went to prison for creating. Yeah, I heard that Tornado uh, was used by North Korea. So they were saying that if you've ever, <clears throat> if you ever use Tornado on your uh, your crypto wallet, and then you try to go onto an exchange with that crypto, they were denying you access because uh, somehow they, it was traceable. To North Korean money. Yeah, yeah. It, a lot of people have that problem about that is scary. trying to access their crypto or, you know, exchanging it. I'm going to go to your phone calls and your thoughts, though. We have an um, unscreened caller on the line. What's your name? Hello, my name is Mark. I'm from Western Pennsylvania. Oh, hey, Mark. What's on your mind? Uh, earlier, um, y'all were talking about Russia. Have you ever heard that Russia outlawed microwave ovens years ago and is there any health benefits to that are they dangerous because i use them every day i've never heard that have you guys ever heard of that i mean i i know microwaves are bad if they're not, uh, not trapped in the machine no i mean about have you ever heard of russia outlawing them i had never yes. heard that oh you have yep so there was a uh uh a newspaper i used to read on cape cod Cape Cod Chronicle, it was called. It was kind of like for like 55 and up crowd, senior hmm. newspaper. It was a free newspaper. But there was always a lot of stuff in there from um, Ron Paul and all kinds of things. And it was a really good article about how the, the what microwaves. So microwave actually turns like uh, water molecules mm-hmm. and, 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 and it vibrates them, you know, at this uh, frequency 2.1, 1.9 gig or whatever. And basically it vibrates it and those water molecules and those molecules get hot and friction because they move at such a low level. That's what heats them up. And and a friend of mine actually just got a um, an RF meter 
and uh, he threw he he threw the microwave out of out of the house. Uh, basically, within about fifteen feet of the um, of the uh, microwave, uh, it was basically leaking so much RF that it was at like a dangerous level. Radio uh, 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 radio frequency. So it def- it measures all kinds of frequencies. This mm-hmm. this RF thing. And like if you put it like basically within an inch of the phone, it's pretty active. But the but he run he runs like a whole bunch of servers. He's got all kinds of computers, and he's trying to like. You know, like set himself up so he's not nuking, nuking his body. You know, yeah. doing this stuff. So like, all his servers are pretty. Unless you're like not standing like right up against these computers and don't have your face right against these monitors and stuff. You know, it it, it seems the RF isn't bad, but the microwave. Basically, when you feel heat coming off of it, the microwave scared him. It, wow. it, it was so like uh, high. So yeah. So what happens is the microwave actually voids whatever you put in it of nutrition. So like, the, I didn't have a microwave. Uh, from the time I was about 24, 25 years old um, in my house. In fact, I had a roommate that brought a microwave into my house and moved in. And, and then I was like, no, no, you got to get rid of this thing. And, sh- sh- and I'm like, well, then you just move out. No microwave. You have to have a microwave. Don't live here. Mm-hmm. And so we do have a microwave in our house. It's not in our kitchen. And the only thing we use it for, my wife will use it for, is uh, heating up a heat pack. So it might turn mm-hmm. on like a couple of times in the wintertime. And in fact, we got these new heat packs uh, that we don't have any, I don't think we've used a microwave actually in a year. In fact, I suggested to her after my friend reminded me about how horrible they are because he got the uh, RF meter, um, of just getting rid of it. But it basically hasn't been plugged in, you know, in almost a year. And, but that microwaved food is void of nutrition. And I will tell you almost every restaurant microwaves a food a little bit before they bring it to you because, oh you know, when they're preparing it, I don't know, like this is, I've never worked in a commercial kitchen. Uh, well, that kind of commercial kitchen, but a fast food, but basically a lot of people I've talked to worked in fast food says that a lot of stuff is just put in a microwave you just go, to get up temperature before it's brought you out. You go to Applebee's, uh, you'll hear them talk amongst themselves and they'll hear a number. They're like 42. Yeah. 42. And that's, that's the number of seconds it takes to put that meal in the microwave. 603-283-6160. More coming up on free talk live. Don't go anywhere. Joa and Jay. And it's Free Talk Live. You can call in with whatever's on your mind, but we're talking now about FinCEN proposing to make a new rule that you'll have to live by that... No thanks. You know, that isn't something that people you elected created. It's just what FinCEN said. I'm not subject to the jurisdiction of these guys, and they have provided no such evidence that I am, and I've asked them. But you'll have to... Say that to the jury, and they're, they're a bunch of idiots, so. Yes, most of them are. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm, we're reading this article from Coindesk.com that says the U.S. Treasury seeks to name crypto mixers as a money laundering concern. And for those just tuning in, crypto mixers are a, a site, um, a service where you can send money 
uh, cryptocurrency in and get the same amount back, maybe less a fee, and it won't be as traceable. Well, nobody knows what your new what your new uh, account number is or reference number to your crypto. Yeah. Nobody knows. So says, you're starting over. You're fresh. Like if when you use Bitcoin, people can see your transactions as long as they have some sort of trace on you. Like if they did a dealing with you, you give you, they yep. send you crypto Bitcoin. You can see everything that they do on their wallet. Since they sent you a little something. Unless you're trading a paper wallet or trading Kasash's coins, like you would trade, you know, right. bars of silver or dollar or pieces or, you know, paper dollars. Uh, so, you know, that's sort of uh, untraced. But, you know, is it is there really crypto on that crypto wallet? Can you, you know, uh, can you verify that, you know, on like the paper wallets? Hmm. Yeah, I've never used it. those. Don't know how they work or anything. But I think that most people already go into using crypto knowing that it's pseudonymous that's kind of the point it's not supposed to be anonymous and people are like oh i had no idea it wasn't anonymous or at least people who are actually into it can you imagine if they need to use it for this purpose because one of the reasons it's good that it's not completely anonymous is you can check yourself it's trustless verify yourself that funds went where they're supposed to go yeah but crypto imply like this is why i think people getting into it Look, if you if you if you understanding about anonymity and everything like that, and uh, cryptology, um, you, you would you wouldn't have to really worry about this. But cri- crypto implies anonymity. I don't think it really matters. Like you take five seconds to learn about it before you get into it. Whose fault is it if you don't know that crypto isn't completely anonymous? Fair enough. Yeah, I think if you're technologically inclined, you'd figure that out. I don't already. think you need to be technologically inclined, though. It just takes like two seconds of googling to figure it out. I don't. I feel like you have this like stick up your butt about cryptocurrency right now, and I don't understand why. Well, like, no, what I'm why, saying is, why do like, you care if some dumb person gets into cryptocurrency, doesn't understand it, and uses it incorrectly? Well, I do kind of care about that. I do that. care about that, yeah. Because it makes the rest of the crypto world look bad. Uh, it, so if somebody it, starts using it and they're like, I thought this was anonymous. It's kind of like some dumb person getting a gun in his hand and shooting himself by accident or shooting a well, little kid by accident. Well, what can you do accident. about it? All you can do about it is talk about how cryptocurrency is not anonymous in public. No. Well, I mean, what can you do about it is, you know, try to, you know, try to, you know, educate people about it. Um, well, you know. Yeah, so I meant. And, you know, that, that that's what you can do about it. But uh, what I was going to uh, bring up is, you know, one, one thing the government really dislikes about Bitcoin specifically um, is that it is totally 100% traceable. And I say they dislike that because who's the guy, um, Overstock.com, uh, Patrick, um, Patrick Byrne. Mm-hmm. So he's been working on this thing like that would, you know, basically be like a blockchain technology for all securities and exchange uh, transactions and trading, so it was totally transparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can you imagine if all of like the municipal corporations, so all the cities, towns, states, federal, all these municipal corporations had to use a blockchain technology to do all their transactions and everything? You know, so it would be real easy to figure out how much of your land taxes, you know, go to pay the pension benefits. Your for exact example. Bitcoin True. that you yeah. paid it with. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it doesn't have to be Bitcoin, but let's say yeah. it was a blockchain technology. And also, like, voting should be a blockchain, a decentralized, you know, f- uh, sort of federated, you know, blockchain technology they, also, if it was going to be actual real digital voting. They don't even want it to be free and open source software at all. They want right, you to right, be right. voting with something that you can't get into and figure out yeah, what happened to your vote. They're, like, just opposites. Like, they don't want this to be traced, and they want this to be traced. Right. Mm-hmm. 
They want anything that involves you spending money to be traced, but not their own cities. And I think it's also funny that um, cities sometimes they'll they'll get hit by um, stupid scams. I'm not like really making fun of anybody for getting hit by a scam. It's like it sucks if you get hit by a scam, but then um, they they will go buy crypto just to pay off their scam and send a bunch of people's tax dollars to some scammer. So I have often thought about. So Ian was telling me a, a couple years ago about some local town. Um, I, one of these little towns, yeah. they had gotten their data or something or something. They had hacked them. Right. And they were holding some something hostage, like a computer or something. And they wanted like X amount of Bitcoin. And I don't know if they called Ian to, to buy some Bitcoin. And Ian's like, what do you want it for? And they were like, oh, we're getting, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, but I remember Ian was saying something to the fact like, are you really, is this like stuff even worth this much money first off? Like whatever they were holding hostage, mm-hmm. so I think they they just declined to even in, have anything to do with the hacker. But well, let's say you work for a government or a major corporation, you could be literally right there behind a computer or from your from your device. You know, the hacker that made its way in because you sort of have access and demanded and demand some kind of payment in cryptocurrency. I think a lot of these like hacks where they demand money is total inside job first off whatever it's likely yeah i think it's very likely in in every cyber attack it's like there's just no way to know who's actually behind it there's like i think you brought this up before there's not going to be like um there's no way to get an image of the guy sitting on his computer and who's doing this and that's how i feel about all of the victims in ian's case quote-unquote victims because they're not ian's victims but they're scam victims. How are we going through with Ian giving them any kind of quote unquote restitution when we have no idea where they sent this money to? For all we know, they control the cryptocurrencies that they sent the money to. They control the cryptocurrency wallets that they sent the money to. There was never oh, any part yeah, of. I, I believe. I, I I believe the Feds are the ones set, setting this all up. Right. And and look these these ransom attacks with uh, crypto ransom attacks. Uh, there's no doubt. A lot of this has been uh, uh, perpetrated by the government, and I feel like they're just like, "Hey, we need to randomly attack someone," and like this is how they do it. Like, let's just you know hit them with the a crypt. Remind the people why they need us. That's what they're constantly doing. Yeah, but like, oh, this guy is becoming profitable right now. Let's cyber attack his company and get him to buy some crypto and send it to us. I it just makes sense why they would do this, and like, I don't know, I. And even when it's their their own systems, like a lot of times there's these cyber attacks on like government quote unquote internet infrastructure, and you're supposed to be scared. It's justifying them spend more money. Yeah, it's just if for all we know they send money to the ransom holder who's actually the government holding this cryptocurrency wallet that they send it to, and then the pa- taxpayers pay them back for it, and then they have double the amount of money. Yeah, the, I just yeah, go ahead. The, the cyber attack stuff is the perfect like plausible deniability yep. situation. And and so if you look at like large corporations that have thousands of employees. Mm-hmm. And if you look at like government all these government agencies have massive amounts of employees. Um I think uh, the federal government is uh one of the um largest like uh emp- you know single employers in you know in the nation and it should be the smallest. But uh it shouldn't even exist as far as I'm concerned. And then all the contractors that work in it, but 
So if we know that three to five percent of the population are actual sociopaths and/or psychopaths, um, that's sort of some numbers that have been spit out there. Hmm. So if you have a company that has you know a thousand people in it, you can you know bet that thirty to fifty of them uh, are quite likely going to be these sociopath types uh, or psychopath types, uh, or you have uh, a government agency that has a thousand people in it, and we know that people who lust for power you know prefer government jobs because they come with the you know the the qualified immunity and all this stuff uh but there is just it, all of it it so it's, it is quite likely that somebody in the companies or that works in these governments can like kind of understand how things work and would would even know where to like all right we know that this data is worth a million dollars or, or 20 million dollars so they would be happy to give us five million dollars to get it back, for example, or even a million dollars, even five hundred thousand dollars in some form of cryptocurrency, and then you know uh, Bitcoin, and they can even be using cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin to, um, uh, you know, to to facilitate these transactions and purposely doing it so they can say, look at Bitcoin's being used to, you know, commit right, these for nefarious you know, reasons right. uh, and funding scams. terrorists. Yep, right. Hamas who totally. Has nothing to do with us. We totally don't give them weapons or instructions or anything like well, that. None of us do, but the, <laughs> but the Biden regime does. No, that's what I was saying. And, I, I was trying know, to beat them. You know. Sorry. So they're like, oh, Hamas, um, we totally don't have anything to do with them. They're using cryptocurrency. So now it makes cryptocurrency look bad. And uh, it just makes me think about FTX and uh, scam, Bank scam, bankster. Uh, fraud. Um, <laughs> that's what they come up the other night on the show. I, th- I hadn't thought of scam, and I thought it was a good one. I always think of Sam like Uncle Sam. Yeah, Uncle, Uncle Sam. Scam. Yeah, bankster fraud. Um, yeah, I think that he was totally an actor or, you know, just somebody taking orders. I just feel like um, because he was using his business, whatever, to fund Ukrainians, uh, you know, just, just politicians, basically a whole bunch terrorism. of Democrat politicians. Yeah, yeah, Democrat politicians. Like that is yet to come out. Like I'm actually curious to uh did oh sent his sentencing is coming up, I think. No, he already got sentenced. He got sentenced. Oh, oh, sentence. He, he, he got found guilty. Convicted, but not sentenced. Yeah, I think they said uh next year is when they're gonna Well do the it. reason for that is because if he got convicted on some I think seven charges, then they were gonna bring out some more charges. But if he got found, you know, not guilty on those then they were going to leave those other ones dropped. So that's why he his sentence his um sentencing is pushed back like a long time. Mm. I I had seen somewhere on freedomsphoenix.com uh one of the um articles was guy was basically talking about there was allegedly some list of essentially politicians that got all kinds of money from Alameda Research or FTX or you know basically Sam Bank Bankman Freed Right. And it was like, so you guys going to give this money back? Is is the Biden campaign going to give back all the money they got from them? The you know Pelosi got money from them, a whole bunch of the you know crooked. Are they going to have to you know help pay the people back that well, it, lost their money? It, well, well, these politicians are like very flush with money, and they could have you know there should be no problem with them returning stolen money, right? Right. And uh, so it'd be interesting if you know the people who actually lost money. In the FTX scam, are uh, any of them are going to get any money back? You know, are are any of these assets going to be sold that these guys own? Are uh, but you know, <clears throat> the bondholders get it all first. You know, whatever comes out when something you know collapses. You know, not not the actual you know um, people who invested or or whatever. And they also used uh, scam Bankman Fried's thing 
to help the jury decide to convict Ian. I'm a hundred percent sure the judge yeah. randomly without anybody bringing him up right before the jury left one day during the trial, the judge was like, just so you know, when you guys go home and you see on the news, there is this story about this guy, Sam Bankman Freed, who just got arrested. Just so you know, just keep in mind that ha- that just because it has to do with cryptocurrency, it has nothing to do with Ian Freeman. And obviously, the, what there's nothing wrong with the words he's saying, but why even bring that up? It's like telling your kid not to, you know, pick up the stick and hit. Don't pick up the stick and hit your brother. Right. Like, and, you know, the kid didn't even care about the stick until you mentioned not to use it to hit your brother. And he wasn't even thinking about hitting his brother. But, Might you be know, really fun. this is what happens with but kids. But don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, scam uh, bankster fraud. <clears throat> Sorry, it doesn't roll off the tongue that easily. Um, he, um, yeah, like he's like the like the best example or the worst example that the government could bring up. And just by mentioning him is definitely creating that bias in the case for Ian. Right. And and it, I don't think Ian's like terrible lawyer even um, objected to that. So, oh, well, it's like nothing we can do about it. But I just believe that, that it has something to do with why they convicted him. Yeah. Um, I'll, 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 I know so many people who have just put faith in these lawyers yeah. and they've got, you know, themselves screwed. Uh, like I, lawyers are about keeping people in the box. People in our own community would talk about this lawyer like, oh, he's the best. He's really good. Yeah, and- right. The fact that he's a lawyer means he's no good. Right. <laughs> right then and there. Well, moving back on to this Coindesk.com um, article, it says, FinCEN said that mixing services, which seek to allow users to conduct transactions with anonymity, are used by, quote, a variety of illicit actors throughout the world. Referring by name to... Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, which I guess is North Korea, the agency said this proposed rule is a key part of the ongoing effort to boost transparency in the crypto markets, which to me, it's like it doesn't belong to you guys. It should just be up to the people who use it. Yeah. It doesn't belong to any state. It, it should be up to whoever, the people who use it. Like, Heck, if, aliens could come down tomorrow and start using it. Right. They don't even have to come down. They just got to make a communication. That's a good point. They didn't have beep, to be beep, here. Beep, beep, beep. They could do it from the moon. And Send me crypto aliens. Does that make them suddenly under the jurisdiction of the United States of America? No. I think that's... Oh, In fact, that would be a great thing to happen if aliens were on the moon and um, connected with Earth and the United States and other governments started trying to say, oh, they're under our jurisdiction because they're using cryptocurrency. It would just be so obvious to people... Finally, that it makes no sense like, that they're under your jurisdiction. We're aliens on the moon. Yeah. So w- w- what needs to happen is people need to ask for the evidence that subjects me to the jurisdiction of the United States. Just quite simply. I mean, did Ian's lawyer ever want request no. the evidence uh, that they rely on that the United States Corporation, this this entity calling itself United States, um you know, is I mean, they did a put holder, a flag on the moon. You know, is a holder in due course of some kind of <laughs> instrument that Ian, you know, agreed to. Yeah, this is why. And lawyers won't ask that question because they'll get disbarred. They yeah. will not challenge. You know, the lawyers cannot protect you. They cannot protect your rights. They can only represent you and help feed you to the furnace of the state. Yep. <clears throat> 
And um, going on, it says the Treasury Department and the wider administration of President Joe Biden have been under pressure from U.S. lawmakers to do something about the use of crypto to support terrorism, especially in light of reports that Hamas received some crypto donations in advance of its attack this month in Israel. And I'm pretty sure that's like 100 um, percent the one from Massachusetts. That's, uh, Elizabeth Warren, yeah. the, um, you know, the, the the millionth Indian. Yeah. Millionth <laughs> of million. an Indian. Uh, so like, yeah, yeah, she's, she's diabolically evil that Elizabeth Warren, and when it says U.S. lawmakers are being pressured, so I bet you if we took these U.S. lawmakers and saw who their, um, you know, uh, lobbyists are that give them money, it's going to be banks. Oh, financially. that's a good point. Okay, sure. I, so it's finance. So whoever this, these U.S. lawmakers are. You know, guys like Lindsey Graham and Pelosi, you know, the scumbags, you know, the evil people who are funded by Wall Street and the financial institution and essentially the Federal Reserve, you know, controls all these, you know, Wall Street and financial institutions. Uh, You know, yeah, the the lawmakers, it's the lobbyists who control the lawmakers, not the actual people. In New Hampshire, I think that the lawmakers, some of them are controlled by the people, but uh, not most of them. It says FinCEN director Andrea Gacki noted that this is her agency's first ever use of its power to target so-called primary money laundering concerns on a whole class of transactions. If the designation is made, the Treasury Department can impose restrictions on U.S. financial firms dealings with the mixers, which range from requiring additional due diligence and special attention concerning particular account transactions among U.S. financial institutions to prohibiting the opening or maintenance of any correspondent or payable through accounts. I'm not sure what all that means. After the comment uh, period, the agency will have to review that input before it can advance a final rule. I'm pretty sure they don't care at all what the public says. They they have to review it. Oh, okay, that doesn't mean that they have to like s- prove that they actually were listening and use the input or anything like that. Earlier this week, the Treasury also announced sanctions against individuals and entities tied to Hamas, including a Gaza-based business accused of being a Bitcoin conduit for terrorists. And that's pretty scary. And that's all we have here. It's actually funny. Oh, wow. I, I scroll down and um, another article it says, read, read more. Another article from Coindesk, it says, U.S. Senator Warren leads lawmakers to push administration on crypto-backed terrorism. So I was 100 She doesn't even right. understand the terminology. So I was listening to her, and I just, I don't remember exactly right now what it was, but she was saying the wrong words hmm. to she's, describe crypto. She's basically a, a Manchurian candidate is. like most of these guys are. She's being programmed. She's being told what to do. You know, like, um, she, you know, she, I mean... If she was a dude, I would say she's probably got some videos of her doing unspeakable things with children. Um, you don't know what uh, part she has, but right, but I, I, but you know, just <laughs> you know, who in their right mind, you know, supports the policies and the idea ideology like of, of Elizabeth Warren, you know, and like another guy, I heard a clip from um, Eminem, for example. Um, Eminem's like, oh yeah, Joe Biden's awesome, all this. And this was like recent. I'm like, really? You're yeah. going to like say like a pedophile's good and you support him and stuff. So, you know, and what just ca- like what actually did Eminem go done? to Epstein's Island? Probably. Is there a video of him doing some stuff? Because that is, there has to be some really dark dirt on you that they have and they're willing, if you're going to actually support someone like, you know, support these kind of things. And who are Elizabeth Warren's, um, you know, Financial backers who, you know, who are the lobbyists that give to Elizabeth Warren? Big Pharma, I believe. 
The other thing about it is... Pharma and the banks and Wall Street. Um, I think that a lot of people are just that stupid. Like, Taylor Swift, I don't even get vibes like, oh, she might have done some Epstein Island st- stuff, and now that's why she made cookies that save Biden 2024 on them. No, oh, I think God. that Taylor Swift is just incredibly stupid. Um, well, so the thing is, if if she's aware that her popularity is basically con- is, is controlled by yeah, the algorithm... And then the algorithm's like, okay, you have to do this. And remember, the algorithm can disguise itself as anybody unless the algorithm and AI are interchangeable as far as I'm concerned. So Taylor Swift is, it, Swift is obviously co-opted if she's supporting the Biden administration. Yeah. I mean, I know Taylor Swift is co-opted because I'm a pop music connoisseur and her pop music sucks, but she's like the most popular artist in the world right now. So obviously it's just the, like you're saying... The algorithm tells people you like Taylor Swift. So then they do. Then they go to her show. It's just like mind control. Rock the vote for Taylor Swift. And they couldn't even get people to come see Beyonce and Jay-Z to go to a Joe Biden um, thing concert where they played to support them. <laughs> they they couldn't get a picture of a very big crowd for even some of the top artists of but like, Swi- all But Swift could really... Exactly. Make a she dent. Only the, because the algorithm. She's not actually good. The simplistically repetitive pop music that's been being pushed for decades is part of what has been dumbing down America. 603-283-6160. What do you think about that? Uh, it's Free Talk Live. You can call in with your opinions. More coming up. is the phone number for you to call in and and get in on the conversation this last segment 603-283-6160 and with you in the studio tonight it's me bonnie joa and jay and before we uh get to the phones i did want to let jay go ahead and give his announcement about anarchapulco so anarchapulco is happening i got an email uh, a couple days ago said that they have confirmed uh, with the hotel uh, and the uh, other part of the venue that like it's going to happen. They have uh, crews working on getting it cleaned up because of the hurricane, um, hurricane that came through there. A rainless hurricane. Yeah, or there's some some people are saying a big t- tornado. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> anyways, uh, one of the best things that uh, you know you that can be done to uh, support the uh, Anarchapoco is just go down there and spend money. Uh, Acapulco, I mean, and one of the ways yeah. you can do that is by going to Anarchapulco, which is um, February eighth, or no, eleventh through eighteenth, uh, twenty twenty-four. Uh, I will be presenting my uh, part of my lecture series of uh, investing in our posterity. Uh, there'll be a whole bunch of other speakers. It's going to go on. I mean, there's like the list, the speaker list is pretty pretty uh, big. Uh, there's going to be a lot of activities to do. There's like a whole. Anarcho Forco or something uh, right after Anarchopoco if you want to hang out down there longer. I, I plan on being down there for at least two weeks, uh, me and my family. Uh, but if you go to anarchopoco.com and you go to the ticket section and you use the coupon code J, that's J-A-Y, you'll get a 10% discount. Nice. And uh, it's uh, it's going to be a good time. Check out an- anarchopoco.com. Going to your phone calls and thoughts, 
I believe this is Tony in Oklahoma. Is that who we were talking to? Yes. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, Jay, I think it was Jay and you guys were talking about a lawyer that won like 13 cases, but he w- didn't pass the bar one night. Hmm. And that I was wondering me. if Jay, okay, sorry, somebody was, and I didn't know you were talking about lawyers there, Jay. And I was wondering if you heard that they are trying to pass something to where you do not have to go through the bar exam. Now you have to be like a mentor. You get a mentor, and then I get so many hours in, and then you become a lawyer. I didn't know if you heard anything about that either. I, I'm a well, truck driver, so it's hard for me to read everything and hear everything. Sure. Well, and, and thank you for your service as a truck driver. Um, I put on a lot of miles in my day hauling horses and hay and cattle. And uh, definitely um, you are way more valuable than any lawyer or politician. Right. You're actually more valuable than all of them put together, as far as I'm concerned, because uh, you provide a service that we all need. Thank you. Um, So I can tell you that my father uh, 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 represented himself, defended himself, really, not represented himself, uh, in federal court back in um, the late 80s. He was facing 15 years in prison uh, uh, for uh, uh, assisting a felony, uh, aiding and abetting a felony flea prosecution. Hmm. My grandmother actually had the same charges brought against her. She was convicted. She had an attorney. Hmm. My dad... Uh, and a couple of his legal beagle friends, as he referred to them, call, uh, wrote my grandmother's appeal. And, you know, 30 days later, she was out hmm. uh, of jail. And this is where we... And the thing is, my father was interviewing attorneys and lawyers. And these guys... So the thing is, when you go to interview an attorney and talk to them, they want you to sign some document saying that you're not going to basically go talk to any other lawyer and you're not going to get a second opinion. You know, this is like going wow. to a doctor... Like, if you ever interviewed an attorney, they're like, yeah, well, we're not going to talk to you about this unless you sign this, you know, some kind of crap. Because I talked to a few attorneys about I, – I was just wanting to hire uh, someone who was an a, a attorney or a lawyer as legal counsel, not as a representative, not mm. as a representer. And none of them were interested in doing that. I'm like, well, wow. you make 300 bucks an hour. I can't hire you. And, you know, for – say, let's – I'm like, I'll hire you for – a whole day you want to do an eight hour day or you want to do a six hour day i'll pay you 300 bucks an hour help me go over some paperwork with me kind of you know give me some ideas of what i got to do tell me where i'm wrong you know uh just you know and they're just totally not interested they're like nope it's like 10 grand it's 15 grand um and the lawyers can just do that they can just because they have all the work they want because they all create controversies and they provide work for each other so when my father presented his his case and he wrote the appeal for my grandmother and he won his case in court he was actually admitted, like into the New Hampshire. Uh, I'm sorry, the Massachusetts Bar Association, um, like not like as a bar member, but as someone who was sort of like allowed to like, you know, do these kind of like lawyer things, not as a lawyer. Wow. Uh, over um, yeah, basically, assisted counsel. Uh, well, so we all have a right to assist to counsel to assistance of counsel at our election. Mm-hmm. The the Bill of Rights does not say anything about lawyers or attorneys, and 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 uh, lawyers and attorneys existed, but the people who wrote those documents were very fed up with the actions of lawyers and attorneys. Lawyers and attorneys are basically the ones that are responsible for most of the problems that we have. Uh, like, for example, one of the things that is happening with the New Hampshire legislature is New Hampshire is a state where there can be no 50-50 custody in of child of children in 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 separations or divorces 
one party has to have like custody and the other one and pays child support. Hmm. And the reason that for 25 years now, I was at a New Hampshire Liberty Alliance uh, summit uh, a few months ago, and they were talking about this for 25 years. They've been trying to get this 50, 50 custody. So a lot of parents are like, okay, Hey, we're agreeing to not be together anymore. And we'll just split the kids 50 50. And New Hampshire's like, no, you can't That's do that. Crazy. Family court. That. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. so, this is also a re- another reason not to get a marriage license, not to get the state involved in your, in, 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 in your uh, affairs. But there are women who, I, I, I know a couple that got married at Porkfest, right? And they were like, oh, yeah, we're not going to get a marriage license. We're not going to do this. In fact, Daryl Perry married them at Porkfest. It's like mm-hmm. 15 years ago. And they got, and as they were going, getting a divorce and getting separated, you know, the wife starts, you know, trying to run this stuff all into probate court and get the state involved. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyways, um, and trying to use the state as leverage. Now that never really happened. Uh, You know, the husband kind of gave in and just, you know, complied with all the demands of the wife. I was like, dude, you don't have to do that crap. Um, you know, because there's no contract, you're, you're, you're not, you know, there, there wasn't no contract getting the government involved and she can't get the government involved, you know, it's between you and her. So <clears throat> anyways, just keep that in mind. They'll still like, they can still try to bring the government in. So what happens is the reason there's no 50, 50 custody is because there's this lawyer that is like on this committee that keeps on like derailing this entire thing. So I said to these <laughs> state representatives, "You say fifty-fifty? No, lawyer. They take a third. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So this lawyer trying to derail the fifty-fifty custody thing. It's the same guy. He's a lawyer. And I said, oh, "Is he a lawyer for the state? Yes, he is. He works for the state." I says, "Oh, does he pay into? Is he a contributor to? And will he collect from the judicial pension fund?" And they're like, "I think so." You know, and nobody had really the exact answer to that. But if you work as a lawyer for the state and you work as a member of the judicial branch of the state, you work in that particular judiciary, it is quite likely you're going to collect from the judicial pension fund and you pay into it. Well, so I explained to these guys, and go, well, you're aware that whoever child, you know, the child support thing is whoever, uh, when they award child support, and there is no award for child support in a 50-50 situation because it's just, you know, the, the it, it, it's split. You know, you're taking 50% responsibility. And... Uh, so these, th- this guy knows that his their pension funds get a massive injection. Sixty six percent is what I'm told by. And like wherever else it goes, according to Rob, they won't even tell you where it goes. Sometimes, right? Yeah, they won't even tell you where uh-huh. it goes. But th- well, so so this money that is injected into the pension fund comes out of the Social Security fund. So if a guy like Rob's ordered to pay, a, you know, a hundred dollars a week in child support, for example. of that child support doesn't go into the pension fund. The federal government actually kicks in the $66 that goes towards the pension fund. But what's the amount of money in New Hampshire, like, it would be interesting, that is being paid in child support? Well, two-thirds of that is is, is getting injected to the judicial pension fund. And the judicial pension fund is definitely going to be lawyers, prosecutors, clerks, secretaries in these courthouses, um, is it going to be the bailiffs in the courthouses? Is it going to be, you know, uh, you know, the, the staff, the janitor, you know, all, you know, all these uh, people. And I'm sure even to become a janitor in a courthouse, uh, you know, you get it because you're connected, you know, just like all the other cushy state jobs. Oh, for sure. And so, yeah, so you work there. So right, right. So and that's the only way you get those kind of jobs. The only way you get a job at the toll booth and on the Massachusetts Turnpike or the New York Thruway is because you're politically connected, hmm. or working for the state DOT or the county DOT. Actually, now you can get jobs working for the 
New Hampshire DOT because they're so desperate for help. Hmm. Um, you know, because a lot of people, a lot of young people who actually have, you know, work ethic and ability want to go work for a construction company. And a lot of them don't want to work in yeah. for the state because the state's so horrible. And they also don't pay very well. Honestly, they, they don't pay well compared to the. Um, to the, the the equivalent job you'll get working in a construction company, you are correct. That's why I think New Hampshire is going to eventually fail and collapse because uh, I've noticed, like even like secretaries in the sheriff's department here in Keene in Cheshire County, uh, they are the the sheriffs are having their wives work as secretaries. So I'm like, <laughs> I mean, it's conflict of interest, but. I'm not surprised because, like, you know, they're going to get away with things probably. Yeah, and I'm sure the sheriffs have, you know, a um, executive pension fund that they collect into the police, the governor, and there's probably, I don't know if there's a legislative pension fund or I'm sure the legislature hires some people to do some stuff. I don't really, I know the legislatures just get, like, the legislative officers. They don't get much. They get 100 bucks a year, so there's no pension fund there, I I, I doubt. But if there's a judicial pension fund, I'm sure there's an executive one and a legislative one, and there are people that work in the state house year-round, doing legislative type yeah, things the that have governor's like, board know, or whatever it is or whatever you know unelected people but uh yeah so <clears throat> jeff younger if anybody wants to research this if you uh would do the uh internet search jeff younger timcast child support there's a clip of him t- uh, he was on Tim timcast show explaining this um federal money that's pushed into the judicial pension fund in every single state and that's actually something that I need to uh, ha- like to hire someone to actively look into that in New Hampshire. I don't really know how to like find out all that information, but um, but yeah, there's a massive conflict of interest with uh, with uh, Family Court and DCYF and all of this stuff with in freedom judicial yeah with the judicial pension fund. In fact, in my wife's case, where she's charged with child endangerment, the um, there's uh, the, their witness. Is a is a career in the government. She twenty years in the uh, Merrimack County Prosecutor's Office. One of their witnesses, and the prosecutor collects from the pension fund. I'm sure this secretary. Uh, yeah, the witness is probably does in the pension fund, and the judge is all pay, part of the same pension fund. And the judge and the prosecutor are the same employees union. And they all called get the bar association. They all get more money in their pension fund if your wife gets convicted of this. That's crazy. Uh, well. Possibly. I haven't quite figured. I think that might happen. I don't hmm. know where that particular money goes. But the fact that they are all in the same pension fund means that there's no way that judge can be impartial. There's no way that prosecutor can be impartial. Yep. And the fact that the prosecutor, for example, gets, you know, uh, a you know, the only way he can go up this ladder, let's say the corporate ladder, is by getting convictions. Yeah. Um, and uh, they essentially want to get conviction, convictions against people um, like my wife, because I am very much active in talking bad about these guys and exposing these guys. And if you go on my YouTube video, you can see some YouTube channel, Jay Noon. You can see some videos that I've put up uh, of these social workers and explaining the uh, DCYF situation and what's going on. And now we're going forward with an affidavit process to where we got the legislature. Uh, Leah Cushman is doing a really good job. She, she, there's a nice clip of her um out there on YouTube, I don't actually know how you'd even find it uh, off the top of my head, where she uh, is explaining to the legislature, your job is to follow the Constitution and protect the rights of the people. And as we know, um, everything but that is essentially happening at, on these government levels in every single governmental, municipal corporation, whatever you want to call it, all across the board. They are not protecting people, people's rights. They are uh, harvesting the people's energy, stealing from them, extorting them, 
all these things constantly. Yes, they are. They are. They are textbook definition of parasites. All government employees, and they don't give uh, back to their communities, like someone like a truck driver, like Tony. So, Tony, is that all you had uh, yeah, for us tonight? That, yep, that was it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your call. Yeah, but government officials will say that they also pay for their own salaries. They also pay for taxes. So are you saying they're like, <laughs> they're, they're sucking their own blood at times? <laughs> uh, getting high I'm off their own belly button, Lint, is more how <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I would explain that. And when I say parasites, I mean, I will tell you that like the state highway guys that are in like my area, they, they work for New Hampshire DOT, like the guys who you know, plow the road and stuff. Like I've talked to a whole bunch of them. And they're like pretty all right dudes, hmm. yeah. you know. They but they're 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 not like young. They're definitely not woke. Any of them, you know. They're like right. they're like real men. Uh, and the thing is, is like yeah, they are in a position of a parasite because of who they're working for. But they're the kind of people that uh, even like our own chief of police. Like I, I really don't like to call him a parasite, even though you know he gets this money that's stolen. You know, as part of his job. But he's like, you know, he's like a good, you know, family guy. And he they would be doing good regardless of the state existing or not. So as soon as the state collapse, like if the state collapse tomorrow, I'm going to be like, all right, you know, I'm going to say to the local cops, this is uh, how much you guys want to, uh, you know, sort of protect me and my neighbors uh, because, you know, they're already equipped. They have they have the training, they have the knowledge. And because they're not woke and they're not like you know they don't have this agenda they're just family people what do they say they, we uh, we'll be there in about 10 minutes well i, I don't well, know they what they would say if uh, you were actually pay- if their paycheck depended on how well they protected jay and his family right That's right but i was saying when it collapses when, when if the if the financial system falls apart and there's no way to tax the slaves mm-hmm. because right now they they control the financial system when they don't control it when when uh, the financial system collapses, and now we have things like cryptocurrency, for example, that we can do real world, real life transactions with anybody. So we, we, and all of us people have been using cryptocurrency and the alternative currencies, trading and bartering, using the silver and the gold backs. We've been practicing. We're going to be fine when the financial system takes a major dump because we're still going to be able to trade with our neighbors, and we've been doing that stuff. If you've been taking or swiping a card and going to Walmart. And you're going to be in a lot of trouble when that card doesn't work and Walmart's not able to function because the financial system collapse. But those guys who plow the road, for example, they're valuable because they have a skill and they're willing to plow. You know, like it takes. You oh, they'll have, do it regardless of the state existence. Right, because because I would and and they'll do it and it'll be so much cheaper because if if I if if the people are just going to voluntarily pay them because they start up their own, they're just individuals and they're going to plow and we're going to hire them. You know and. Uh, it would be cheaper because right now the state has to maintain a standing army of police officers and military type people, military personnel, military weapons and courts and judges and bailiffs and sheriffs and deputies and constables and all of these people to make sure all the slaves pay their taxes. That is super expensive to maintain an army and even the standing and, and, and the, the founding fathers are, you know, were very much against maintaining standing armies. And that's what your local police, your state police, your sheriffs, they're essentially a standing army that's going to, you know, show up at your door if you just don't pay the taxes. Yep. And and uh, and they got all kinds of guns. How do you know guns. that's true, Jay? How do you know that they'll show up at your door if you don't pay property taxes? It, it happened to me about 10 years ago. Yep. 6.30 in the morning, they're knocking on the door and there's 25 cops out there. And, Whoa. And um, they're like... Uh, Wait, they knocked on your door? They knocked on the door at 6.30 in oh, the morning. That's nice. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah they didn't nice. just kick it in. Uh, they're like, hey, Jay, we're here to evict you, kick you out of your house. Wow. I'm like, I object in the strongest pers- possible way. 
And they're like, yeah, we know, we're sorry, but we got this court document, and, you know, there's a judgment against it, you know, for the house and tax lien taking, blah, blah, blah. And come to find out, tax lien takings, best I can tell, they only apply to commercial industrial properties, not homes. So have you looked into doing anything like suing that town for doing <clears throat> something incorrect to you, or it's just not worth it? Um, I did sue them, oh. and it was just promptly thrown out, you mm-hmm. know, federal court. Uh, and in Massachusetts, uh, from what I, uh, with, with, with land court, uh, there is no way you can get a jury trial. Hmm. There's, there's no jury really? trial for uh, a tax lien taking in Massachusetts. Okay. But they're not actually taking property. They're just taking the title to the real estate. And the deed to your property, if you guys look at your deeds, the word real estate's not on there anywhere. And if also, if you look like, uh, look like um, uh, Bear Arms talks about, these towns and municipalities, when it comes to the property tax stuff, they don't use the term house. They don't even define a house. And the Constitution says, the Bill of Rights say in, in the U.S. and all the states that you have are to be secure in your per, you know, in papers, effects, and house. Hmm. You're to be secure in your house. So how can they tax something that you have a right to be secure in? Well, they don't even define a house. They have like tenement house, boarding house, greenhouse. They got all these definitions, but not definition of house. So, but the, one of the next things we're going to work on is uh, basically uh, we're going to do a public records request to the local tax assessor to uh, ex- to ask them for the process and procedure that they rely on for um, uh, for a tax lien, for a tax taking lien, as I believe what they how they word it. And uh, uh, I've read some of that, but I want to see what they give me, what they're using. But what I can tell is it all has to do with industrial, uh, commercial type properties. Uh, which require what's called a business citus, which means that they asked government for permission. They got some kind of license to operate a business, and that's what gave them the right to put the taxes on. But the problem is, is everybody started paying property tax on their homes in 1939 in this country. There was no, like this house here, previous 1939, I guarantee there was no property tax paid on it. Hmm. And then in 1939, after the Erie versus Tompkins Railroad case, what had happened in Palmer, Massachusetts, Thorndike, Massachusetts, and Bonzo, Massachusetts, because I researched deeds in these particular towns, is one real estate company or law firm or lawyer owned all these, every single property in town, except for like the mill <laughs> and like, you know, these, the, the big like factories and stuff, they weren't part of this, but all the homes were granted to these lawyers for two days. So in the, um, in the archives down at the bottom of, Ham- of Hamden County Registry of D- Deeds, down in the basement, there was these <clears throat> um, archive books, and they have what's called grantor and grantee indexes. So my house in Bondsville, Mass., was owned by Joseph Fury Esquire for uh, two days. And then there was a date was like December 10th, you know, 1939. And then it was granted to Joseph Fury Esquire from Joseph O'Connor or whatever the guy's name was. And uh, and then it was granted back to uh, from the lawyer to the original homeowner two days later. And when I asked these guys at at the deeds hall about this, I'm like, well, what is this? They're like, oh, that's a that's a that's a lien. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Can I see the lien? Yeah, sure, you can see the lien. We're gonna have to like you know dig it out of archives. Well, it's just it's just a mortgage. Is all they said probably just some kind of lien. And uh, what had happened, best I can tell, is uh, all of these properties were basically collateralized for the um, bankruptcy of the United States Corporation, and everybody's paying uh, essentially this um, bankruptcy debt with the uh, property taxes. But when the property taxes first came out, they sold it as, oh, you're going to get all this stuff. 
Not, mm-hmm. And there was property taxes, but only on real estate. And real estate is defined in Black's Law Dictionary as basically commercial, industrial, agricultural type property. You know, and not like a little farm, but like these big, you know, corporate farms. Um, and those are were ones who were supposed to, you know, pay the taxes, like the mills, the ones that were making all kinds of production, the ones that were mm. putting the wear and tear on the infrastructure, um, and the trucking companies, and you know, things like that. So that all uh, changed in 1939, and basically, I was uh, escorted out of the uh, Hamden County Registry of Deeds on my appointment date when I was supposed to look at these liens. So that's actually one thing I'm going to do in Merrimack County is I'm going to go into the register. Why? Because they just did not want me like looking into this. Whoa, that's crazy. But you know, this was 15 years ago, and I wasn't in New Hampshire. Now what I can do is I could go into the registry of deeds with like Joa, and Joa being part of the media, or even you, or even Ian when he gets back pretty soon. Um, <clears throat> hopefully he'll be back uh, by the time I'm doing that because he would probably love to come investigate this with me and yeah. you know record these guys being like oh. You know, and, and I'm sure we're going to find this in the um, in researching the deeds back. But if anybody wants to go research the deeds back on their property, especially if you're like east of the uh, Mississippi River, uh, 1939, you're going to see that some law firm, some lawyer or some real estate company owned the property for a couple of days. And then you take that name of that that entity and you look in the grantor index or grantee index um, and you're, you're going to start seeing just pages and pages of these guys, like thousands of transactions they did. Um, and, uh, and nobody can tell me why or what. And there, and there was no reference. I mean, just the logic, it just isn't there. Like, I don't understand why anyone, I don't care what laws are on the books or whatever. The logic of it's theft, it's yep. stealing. Yep. I don't get it. Why they because have to make it so are, twisted to just take. And Well, today, more, well, back then when they were doing it, it was, you know, maybe 10 hours of labor a year to pay your property taxes. Hmm. Uh, I got, you know, I I know so many people that are paying $20,000 a year in property taxes. Yep. How um, many burgers do you got to flip at your, you know, $15 insane. an hour job to pay that kind of property tax? A lot. Impossible. And how much percentage of them taking your money is not slavery or theft anyway? Um, freetalklive.com is where you can go to hear more from us. Sorry if you didn't get on tonight. You can call back on Saturday. It's Free Talk Live. Peace. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com